Bryce still look ugly. I hope you're a better effects man than you are a photographer. You'll find out soon enough. All right, pick a point in space. Look at it. Close your eyes. <laughs> I'm still disturbed as why my camera looks like shit. I'm still getting these these vertical lines. I'm going to have to replace my camera. Is it unique to um, Zoom or is it doing it? It might be, yeah, because it doesn't look bad when I do a, a camera test on it. Oh, my, my light just died. Is that a printer I can hear powering away? Yeah, still still pr- printing my head. Like, still printing my cake mold. It's about halfway done. Oh, cool. Be printing for a while. Days and days and days. How was your day? How was my day? Uh, pretty busy actually. As I, I was on um, on a chat, so we had like a Zoom class that went on for a couple of hours, and um, it was interesting. It was really good. They had some good questions, and it brought up some interesting discussion points. And I was just gonna uh, throw a couple of them at you now. Right, let me get my catcher's mitt. <laughs> Uh, so, um, yeah, chatting on, on zoom. Oh, we've got, um, our guest today is going to be Rod Maxwell, by the way, uh, podcast number 73. Who's that? Rod Maxwell. Oh man. That was a good chat. Um, he's a Renaissance man. He's a Renaissance man. And he seems to have done like so many cool things. And, uh, again, and he's somebody that's done a lot of things and is a good example of somebody that like does stuff, gets their hands dirty jumps in at the deep end and just figures yeah. it out you know he routinely has his fingers in a lot of pies mm. he does a lot of digital stuff but uses it in yes. the practical world like the 3d printed molds that he's made and yeah he's quite the pioneer really pushing things a lot further than you know many people are he doesn't seem to have any fear he just doesn't yes, and, he, and he does beautiful work yeah he's really really cool and teaches at the uh, cinema makeup school so uh yeah we had a really nice chat so we we talked to to rod later and he he was um yeah we talked a lot about digital molds digital printing scanning because he does a lot of scanning and fusing stuff that's digital and practical and he comes at it from a very practical point of view if you pardon the expression you know yeah we talked about animatronics and uh sculpting we touched a lot of bases yeah, man. And he's got uh, that movie. I, I've, Wishing uh, well. Amazon. Amazon. I got it from Amazon, his movie, Wishing Well. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that was cool. So it's just nice to see. 26. Yeah, it's, it's amazing work to look at. Check it out. 26 individual character makeups he designed and self-applied. And, and and they're beautiful. It's hard to place him. Like if you were trying to like sum him up, it's quite difficult to do that it, it, quickly because he does so many things well and he's always pushing to do other things and he's constantly finding new little avenues. He's a very good example of, of the kind of mindset you should have nowadays because of the amount of technology and the reach that things can allow you to achieve. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's quite, quite nice, I think, uh, you know, quite an exciting thing. Anyway, I'm gushing, but... And he's very unassuming. Yeah, very much so. You know, he's he's got no ego, uh, no discernible ego. No, no he's a, a good um, a good example to sort of use, you know, to set things by. So, yeah, have a listen to him in a sec. He was very cool. So, my um, uh, the couple of things that occur to me is uh, a lot of colleges at the moment are finding it hard to complete projects. Like they started things, and then lockdowns have happened, and and you know. 
they couldn't get into college. I mean, physically not allowed in and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I was thinking about a few things that people could do. And one of the things we were chatting about on this Zoom meeting today was, was you know, when you do a makeup and stuff, so, you, you know, you're frustrated because you can't, you can't finish the makeup you started on your model because you're not allowed near anybody or you're, you know, they're not available or they're sick or they're isolating or whatever. So um, there's obviously lots of reasons why you might not get around to finishing the thing. And something that occurred to me would be good to just have a couple of ideas of things that you could do that mean you could still exhibit your abilities. You could still practice. You could still do things and show somebody a finished object um, without, having to go through the whole molding and casting and application thing, which may be denied you because you can't get near a workshop or your model's not available or you just can't afford the materials for that. So one of the things uh, I suggested I think would be a good thing to do was in order to demonstrate to people what you can do and how you work and all that kind of stuff and, and practice those things was to get a life cast and to sculpt on that life cast the makeup you want and if you don't have a life cast i guess an ed head or something it doesn't have to be the life cast of the person well you know neil's materials has recently come out with these wonderful oh edu heads uh edu yes. heads that with removable silicone faces that you can apply prosthetics to you could you could uh, put a different face on it so you've got a rigid enough surface to sculpt with. i'm gonna put a link to that in when i first saw that that uh, that's a brilliant idea yeah very, where very you can idea. do everything you could do on a real face mm -hmm. but on on something where you're not gonna need to worry about contamination yeah. or infecting somebody with whatever god awful virus you've contracted mm -hmm. But also just nice to... Which I hope you have. No, haven't. absolutely. But also to practice, you know, a look, or, you know, and a makeup before application for real on a person. You could, you know... Yeah, just e even do straight straight makeup or beauty makeup on, on those heads as well. It's not just for doing prosthetic mm -hmm. work. Yeah. Um, so that we go. Yeah, I'll put a link to those <clears throat> in the show notes. That's a very good point. And then, uh, yeah, so the other thing that occurred to me was you could, you could sculpt on a life cast, uh, get the sculpt, you know, reasonably finished and then you could stipple latex over the whole thing and then paint it with acrylic paints to look like how your finished makeup would look or as, as close as you could and then when you're done take your photographs and then when you're completely finished peel the latex off which takes the paint off with it and you'll be left with your original right. plaster face and your clay and you can just reuse it uh, that's a great you know, idea you can do five or six different makeup looks you know, in a week, no molds have made, but you can demonstrate what the thing would look like to a reasonably high degree with just those things. And, you know, those, those are, you could just reuse the same materials and a few tubes of paint. And that would be an, a relatively inexpensive way of showing what you can come up with without having to go through the whole process of making molds and pieces. So that'd be cool. And the other one was, um, obviously, the other, when you're making flat pieces, for example, if you want to make a flat piece, often it's nice to sculpt in a life cast and float it off so you know it's the right shape. So, so what you want mm -hmm. to do is make sure the footprint of the piece that you make is suitable and the right shape. Um, and I was thinking like a good example would be where, where it could go wrong if you're doing a flat piece on a flat board. And then when you've made your piece, you come to apply it. That's when you find out it's too big. <laughs> you know, if you're doing a piece that went below the eyebrow, but above the eyelashes, say like a swollen eyepiece, you you need that to be right. that size or slightly smaller, but definitely not a millimeter bigger than that. So you could get some plastic, like a Ziploc bag or a sandwich wrapper bag, or you know, just clear plastic. Yeah, well, the, the cling cling film. Though. Yeah, cling film might be a bit thin, you but you could put maybe clear sellotape or scotch tape over it or something, something a little bit stiffer. Like you know, these plastic bags. I've got some nice ASMR thing going on here. Plastic bag for um 
some airbrush bottles, you know, those kind of Ziploc yeah. bags, um, a clear one of those. And you put that over where you, you know, where you want the piece to go and then use a Sharpie and you draw you very carefully where the eyebrow is. You draw, you know, all in one place. So the, the plastic's held in place. Then you draw, you know, the curve of the eyelid and where the eyelashes are. You mark in where the nose is, you mark in the hairline or anywhere that you don't want to go over. And then you transfer that to your flat board and you've basically made a template that, you know, establishes your boundaries that you can't go beyond and you've drawn it on a curved surface and then laid it out flat Mm -hmm. so you know it's gonna gonna fit properly that's a good point and then you'd also see whether or not the flat thing would be a problem later uh, because you'll see this the plastic crinkling up and then you could use that to figure out where you might need to cut vents or darts or or break Mm -hmm. it up into more pieces so that you can then get them to navigate curves because obviously noses and chins are quite difficult to do completely flat but you could break them down to some degree chins chins are particularly tough uh, under the Mm. chin where you have a have a piece and it fits really nice under the lip Mm. but then you've got a a gap under the chin where you know if you're going to be putting a a lace hair piece or hand laying hair under it cut your own a little dart and overlap it and glue it down there and the the hair is going to completely hide your fix yeah yeah, that would work. The other thing I think as well is to make your pieces quite soft because then they'd stretch. So you could actually try and stretch them out the other way instead of folding. But, you know, there's a limit to how much you can go with a flat piece. I know, but you can do an awful lot with them, you know. And I think, you know, making them making them the right shape to begin with and working on a flat piece of something so that you can, yeah, like you say, you know, establish where the, the problem here is going to be. That will kind of give you an inkling. For small pieces, not normally a problem, but if you're going to scale something up, uh, I know a lot of places at colleges and stuff, you know, they were doing things that were going to be done on a life cast and they just, they just can't, they just can't get ahead. You know what I mean? It's, they can't right. afford the thing and they right. got this, but they've got a project to finish. So they've been doing flat pieces and it's, it's very hard to, the bigger your flat piece, the more chance you're going to end up navigating some weird curvatures. So. Yeah. And, and you need to really take care. Cause if you, if you say you're doing a cheek piece that comes down the nasal labial, uh, crease and up under the eye you when you go to put it on you may find that it fits really nicely around the eye but because of how the plastic was when you when you Mm -hmm. drew it it's now further away from the line the nasal labial line than it should Mm -hmm. be and if you adjust it back there where it is then it's then your eye bag down too far yeah yeah and that was always a problem with foam wasn't it because it shrank so mm-hmm. you'd have to kind of compensate yep. by stretching it, but then you needed to run your foam soft. Uh, soft foam is a higher rise. Yeah. It's tricky to get in the mold. Nah, it was a sliding scale of terror. Um, so that was cool. And I will find, where are we? Sliding scale of terror. That'd be a good name for a band. <laughs> it could be the name for the podcast, but <laughs> but it's, it's not. It's called number 73, Rod Maxwell. But, and he doesn't want to be called a sliding scale of terror because he's anything but. He's lovely. Oh, something I discovered very uh, just sheer coincidence today. I was looking up um, some things on, on the web and I came across this link for a website called digitalcomicmuseum.com. Uh, and you have to get an account, but it's a free account. You just log in with a, you know, an email and a password. And basically it has like golden age era comics that you can download for free. Um, and they, they come in CBR formats. You need a comic book reader app, but they're, you know, easy to get hold of. Um, and they're free. And, uh, yeah, I just downloaded a couple of like, um, Billy the Kid comics from 1958 and they're just amazing full of like the Charles Atlas adverts and, 
you know, selling grit and whatever, you know, all the comic- kicking, sand, kicking sand in bullies' faces. There you go. And it's fantastic. Uh, and it's free. So I, I recommend that because that's good if you like uh, old school comics. I just love old, old horror comics. Yeah, if you're, stuck in, if you're stuck in the house, there's a good way to pass some time. No, oh, definitely. Well, just, just there's, there's something about the style of them, you know, that, that kind of the print and, and everything. It's just got a nice, uh, it evokes a lot of things. I used to get a lot of comics when I was a kid. It's particularly like the, um, the kind of Tales from the Crypt and the Tales yeah. of Terror and all that kind of stuff. And uh, they were like reprints that were bound as, a, as, you know, several editions in one book. It's like, you know, a quarter of an inch thick, but they were quite cheap, but they were old comics then, but I found them in this old store and I loved them. They were just so atmospheric and, you know, you read them under bed sheets with a torch when you're a kid is awesome. And I still like those kinds of things. And they, they kind of make me want to sculpt stuff and make monster masks and things. So it puts my head in that kind of place. So I like that. Um, and what was the other thing? What was it? I was going to show you. I was going to tell you something. I can't think what it was. I've had so many things. Going I, on dug, my head. I dug back into the, into the mold room and pulled out, uh, a Star Wars character, and, I, and I'm completely spaced, and I'm having another senior moment. Uh, one of these alien creatures that I, I sculpted. I've, I think I've got pictures of it posted on Instagram from a couple of years ago, and I did this maybe even longer ago than that. That that I'm gonna I'm gonna cast this thing. I sculpted it. I made the made the mold out of it. Uh-huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna cast up a, a biscuit foam head of this thing and paint it, put it on a stand. It's pretty big. I'll, I'll have to take some pictures. And oh, cool. We can post them so and show you did you it and you finished it. What it looks like. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I finally finished days ago, but I haven't, I haven't cast it yet. I'm gonna, I just, just dug it out of the mold room yesterday and it's in great shape. I've got to find the, the eye forms that are going to be the placeholders for the actual eyes that go in it. Oh, nice. Uh, but it's going to look pretty cool. Oh, Cool. Oh, that's fun. I'm looking forward to that. I've, I've got a bunch of work that I'm going to finish this week, I think, and things ease up a bit next week. So I'm, I'm looking to get back into those those kind of theater masks I made. I sculpted. Mm-hmm. I molded them. I made the molds of them. So um, those molds are good to go. So I just need to, to glass out a couple of... I might do some epoxy ones and uh, uh, well, I'll experiment with a few different materials, maybe some lightweight biscuit foam ones and just start painting them and have some fun with them. But I want them. Well, I'm even playing around with some ideas for, for some disguise masks. Oh, really? Um, you know, when when we when we were talking about the the CIA stuff with um with uh, Jonna, uh, what's her last name? Just horrible with remembering things today. But I saw I actually got to see one of the masks that they were actually using no during some of the Cold War stuff, and it's it's the kind of stuff that we do. But it's you know it's basically. Reminded me more of Landon Myers' yeah. work, uh-huh. the way the way it fits on the head that it covers covers the chin, but it basically follows the the, the edge of the mask follows up the jawline and around the back of the head, and then it's got hair on it, so they're they're easy to put on quickly and take off quickly, and the neck can move to, freely to fool the head. Looks the neck natural. Can, can move freely, mm. but it's tight enough that it will fit nicely around the eyes and around the mouth, so that somebody sitting across the table from you wouldn't even be able to tell that you're wearing wearing this mask yeah and you can walk out of the room take it off and that person has vanished and you're somebody nobody's ever seen before that's awesome (laughs) welcome to the to the world of espionage oh that's very cool and they don't sell them on ebay for like five quid (laughs) or facebook i should say oh my gosh like i've seen those adverts around halloween 
Cool. Well, we should um, uh, get stuck into the magic of Rod Maxwell then, and let's have a listen. Yes, he's much more entertaining than we are. Hey, I have a question yeah. to ask both of you, because um, I had a had a nice phone conversation yesterday afternoon with Nelson Burke, who mm -hmm. started the Engineer Guy in Atlanta, and now they're an O and O of Smooth On. But he was he was driving up to Detroit to deliver some product because he didn't trust the shipping companies anymore. So he's just taking it up there himself and was listening to battles with bits of rubber episodes on the drive. And he was listening to episode 71, where we were talking about um, putting fillers in, in uh prosade and using cabosil and so on. And he brought up the point that, you know, cabosil is a, is a desiccant used often as a desiccant, not just as a, as a thickening agent. So, you know, it absorbs water. And he was wondering if that has any effect on the, the thickened prosade as opposed to using some other filler like little microfibers or, or flocking or something. Do you know? Has, any, has that ever come up? Well, I just know that I, I wonder if I've always thought Cabasil helps dry out Bondo over time. I don't know if that's true or just keeps on getting thicker and thicker. I I have some still, I have some old Bondo I've made and, and I have those little tiny little open containers in a row. Yeah, so you or maybe you used out. those on um, at a Comic-Con when you were doing Yeah, a bazillion theater. years ago. It's And I, it's still it's still good. So I, I don't know. I I don't know. How, how's that for my first thing? Works works for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, I was actually thinking of the th thickening um, silicones and does that eventually cause the silicone just to be a hard ball? Like, Well, you mean like it actually has a wicking effect where it causes... Yeah. yeah. But I don't know where it wick it too because if it's in the silicon, oh, I guess it would create a chain of like, you know, possible moisture could separate out but yeah i don't know where would it make it could cause inhibition yeah. somehow pulling mm -hmm. stuff in from the atmosphere that got nerdy really quick early on though yeah. that's good <laughs> 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 but that's what we're here for so if anybody um, out there knows let us know yeah i still think because the older i get the more i realize how little i know uh, and then whatever you do know just kind of vanishes and is replaced with i don't know Memories from school or something. Um, oh, I, I I was wondering if that's what caused, I don't know the details of third degree, but sometimes if third degree is sitting in the jars for over a year, it's going to become more solid. That's what I meant by the silicone. Oh, could it could be. I know, I know um, it will affect tin silicones hugely um, mm -hmm. because water will affect the the cure rate of of the tins because it's a condensation cure as opposed to uh the platinum platinum cure the addition cure which will you know cure it'll set up in a vacuum i've noticed um when i've been patching some some foam latex or some silicone actually some silicone gloves for shrek gloves i had silicone shrek gloves and i needed to see them so i was using the smooth on uh silpoxy which is mm -hmm. that one component tin stuff, and it's it sets up in twelve minutes, and I added my the same pigment to it, which is uh, a Liquitex artist acrylic paint. You know the the lime green is what I use for Shrek, Just and the because there's water in the in the paint, it causes the that silicone it 
will set up before you're finished mixing it if you're not careful. Yeah, that's no good. Time, it's, it? it's crazy. And so, upsetting <laughs> if you mix up a load of it, yeah, leading yourself yeah. to have enough time to get but, it on. But it's nice I found that out because I, I had didn't realize you if you want the, your tins to go off really fast, put water in it. It'll go off like crazy. Oh, so Rod, you, Hello. I think you're eminently qualified <laughs> to, to speak on here because you have done all of the things that I would want to do with makeup effects, but you also do the digital stuff and you appreciate and understand quite a wide, a Venn, a Venn diagram of stuff that you have been involved in is quite amazing and overlapping okay. stuff. And I think you'd be very, very well placed for us to discuss about well, well we'll talk about what you know what what you've got up to to this point but also i think ultimately what i want to talk about is is digital stuff and why people in makeup effects should be aware of it because when i have taught in a lot of colleges or makeup schools typically if um you know there, there's a lot of younger people there they don't realize that there is a digital element in a lot of makeup or, you know, whether, even if it's just scanning or, or, you know, it's usually up, up to now it's, or up to fairly recently, it's been a, an either, or you're either going practical or you're going digital. Yeah. It's, Cause when we you know, saw that, you, that marriage of the two is really coming into its own. Yeah. Cause when we saw you at cinema school, you, you, I think that we popped in that time and you were doing like, I think it was wounds or something. So you were doing like, you know, makeup stuff, but then you mm -hmm. might post in the evening, Oh, this is the thing I rendered today. And here's some scans, here's some molds I scanned. And you know what <laughs> I mean? So you're doing all of these things. Um, and, and, and I think that's kind of the dream way of doing it. It's like, you're doing all of this stuff. It's that there isn't one or the other. It's like, you'd be familiar with these things. And I guess they all inform each other because they're ultimately they're trying to solve the same problems. Right. Yes, yes. I, I feel like I've just been lucky. It's all the things that I was interested in when I was a kid. Somehow all the roads led me to each one of those things that were just fun, um, including the. I didn't think the digital was going to come into play, but it did back in the in the in the 90s. I think I, if if I do recall what I what I started off when I first came out to California, I had just sold off um, body parts, which was like an Alcon company, like a Nigel's or a friend's, um, and 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 I had just sold that. I had done that in in school, and we can talk about it if you if you'd like. But oh well, I, I, Stuart Stuart and I were just talking about. Oh, I have one. <laughs> yeah. If only I people have, could see what you're holding I, up, it does not I look am. appropriate, and we're right right say, into oh, Stuart world. <laughs> I was wondering how long it would take, and I was like, I was like, oh no, I'm, Stuart's going to get me to to go into that world, and I have to be very careful in how I talk <laughs> for the benefit. So I don't of the suddenly become runner, a pub. He was holding up a, a, a foam latex <laughs> syringe in a suggestive manner. I had one of those also, and 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 I used it so much that it it finally fell apart. So wow. now you want your money back. Is that what you're saying, Don? <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. right, I'll write you a check. Well, I got you here. Damn could, you, it. could you send me a new one? <laughs> I, I, I'll build one. I'll print one for you. Oh, it was it was terrific. <laughs> I've I used it. Thank you. A lot. Yeah. So you've done all those things, but also the entrepreneurial side of things, which I think is good. So you just. See, you're an eminently qualified human being. I'm very impressed. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I just have to laugh. At that. <laughs> I would let's debate that. We could have a whole session on that. But so, oh. are you still dabbling in 3D animation? Um, I do. I go back and forth. I think all of it's still it, it's it's exciting and it's interesting. I when I go into it, 
I just go, oh, still the computers aren't that fast. It's not as real time oh, than it is. And then you have Unreal Engine and you have all the things that are going on with the Mandalorian and CG in the background on giant, basically, L, you know, giant screens or that fill the entire room. Yeah. So now you're not even using green screens. These 3D models are rendering live like a video game in the background. So um, it's exciting to see that. But a lot of stuff still takes a lot of time. I'm back and forth. I'm back and forth. That's what makes the practical so much more fun at times because you sculpt it, you have it in your hands. Um, the digital stuff for 3D printing and mold making, now the new printers, I just printed a mold and it took four and a half hours. Not bad at all. I mean, the printers, and that printer is the Anycubics um, Mono X. And it and could have taken you that long to do it out of stone or, or epoxy. Yeah, it, it, the, the process in, involved is, is almost comparable in time. Mm -hmm. and, and it becomes more precise. It yes. can be more precise. You can measure things mm -hmm. in a CAD program or really do something in ZBrush and get it down to the perfect size. Yeah, but also these things are printing whilst you're doing other things. That's the amazing thing. You're leveraging yes. the time, you know. Although there's also the tinkering. I mean, with the FDM printers I've got, I'm like, you know, <laughs> I had to dismantle one the other day to, to to fit a new extruder unit and all this kind of stuff. But the more you do it, the more familiar you become with it. It doesn't actually take that long, but it's just... You know, when I see forums of 3D printers, it's like, I just want one that I press print and it works. I'm like, mm, it's kind of like buying an old car. It's like, you know, you are at some point because it's a mechanical thing. Something is going to go wrong and you will have to. Yeah. To, to I was just thinking that this morning um, with the Anycubic, you do, you do have to watch the, you're pouring in your own resin. Form Labs, it has its own resin tank that keeps track of the, uh, the level of the resin. Mm. So... Uh, you, you do get a lot of benefit from going with something more expensive like a Form Labs, huge selection of resins, and it, it keeps the, everything warm so it's the right temperature. You don't have to have it in a special room or in a special environment. And, but then the Anycubic, you could buy five of those or six of those. <laughs> and if one breaks, you can kind of get, well, not throw it away, but in a sense, just put it aside. Yeah. So is it worth it or not? Yeah. And what I think the other thing that's amazing is like with the optical stuff, you can print multiples at the same time, which, you know, it doesn't take any more time because there are 15 instances or one instance happening on the print bed. It's just, it's light that's making it mm -hmm. happen. And that's, that's incredible. <laughs> that, you know, if you, if you spent your life making things manually to have something making it whilst you're getting on with something else, it feels like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Like, a little Fantasia episode, you know. I'm printing out an L3 vertebrae and a disc right now. Oh, I saw my, that. that on my, on my frozen. Yeah, I finally got everything tweaked and I'm, I'm, I'm down to what I hope will be the, the final pieces that we'll be able to assemble and, and paint and take into the courtroom. It looks great. Thanks. Yeah. That's working well. What I, what I would like to ask you, Rod, for people who are listening to this and going, I don't know anything about computers, I don't care about that sort of stuff. I think it would be unwise to ignore all that stuff because it has massive benefits, even if you don't want to get into computers, you're still, it still can mm -hmm. be massively beneficial to you. What, uh, is there a way, um, this is a really clumsy question, but I'm just wondering how, how would you convince someone who, who really should know about these things that they need to know about these things? 
<laughs> even from I, the outside or maybe you think they don't need to but i think maybe I, I, a lot of people think of it as a difficult thing and then just disregard the entire thing because they think there's computers and there's practical and they're not the same thing it's like well they're kind of solving the same problems so you could actually use it i feel more people are open to it now a few years ago when i was doing a talk at at imats i remember um, people were very resistant. Oh, it's going to take over and another thing that's going to take away from our business. And it's, it's just like a new product. It's a new silicone. It's a new sculpting tool. It's just another tool. And you can do so many things with it that could be beneficial. I, I have a lot of sculpting tools, but I tend to use the same five my favorite, five favorite ones, something yeah. like that. Um, so ultimately, you should know all the tools out there. You may or may not choose to use it, but now it's affordable. You can get a printer and you can get some software. Even ZBrush has a free version that you can use, their core mini, and start right away sculpting in the computer and printing. And there so are probably only five brushes in ZBrush that you will use on a regular basis. That is so true. You'll find your favorite favorite ones, and they tend to be just the same. They have about five in ZBrush that are the go-tos. Mm -hmm. So, and, and if you don't want to get a printer, you can use a, um, a service like Shapeways and sculpt something and upload it. And it's like an Etsy. You can open up your own Etsy shop. You can open up your own Shapeways shop that doesn't cost you anything. So you can sculpt if you're into just on the side sculpting faces or jewelry, pendants. It doesn't even have to be for our field. Um, it's just as art. And you can upload it and anyone can order it in gold or silver or, or ceramics. So they're, they're, it, it's all exciting. It's all a playground of possibilities um, and nothing truly to be afraid of. Yeah, I think it just means you can leverage, like you say, because you can make something digitally and then you have a range of ways that you can output it, you know, depending if it's a suitable shape and size for the thing you're doing. Whereas before you'd have to be a silversmith or you'd have to be a carpenter or you'd have to be a machinist. And I think the biggest mm -hmm. discrepancy I think we've seen with that is the acceleration of, of, of adoption of printers and the cost of printers going down. So more people are getting them. And then things like, you know, AutoCAD being $1,500 a month or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but people who were using it 20 years ago were making, you know, a Boeing engine, but now they're making a <laughs> knickknack to hold their phone on their desk. So they don't need, you know, the, the, the high level 15 million revolutions a second stress test software mm -hmm. that costs millions of pounds to figure out. We just want to make a, like a Tinkercad thing or a Fusion 360 thing, which is what I've been using. And it's like, it's free and it's not, yeah, it's pretty good. It's better than I am <laughs> as a piece of software, but <laughs> but it means I can I can play with it, but you can do things with it that you would otherwise have to, you know, need a whole bunch of tools for. So in, in some ways it can also save you a lot of money. But but I just yeah, when I kind of get blank looks back at me from a room full of students who who don't know what I mean, I'm just like, I read you oh, didn't and I get all fizzy and I want them to see all the things I can see because I spent hours trying to make an eye mechanism or something and now I can do it in CAD. And but I think you really benefit from having done things practically because you really feel what it's saving you, you know? Yes. And Speaking of students, that. yeah. When do you have do you find that um, your students at cinema uh, are coming in with any computer experience at all and you know for those that, that don't um what is what is your methodology of trying to get them into it and up to speed where because you're doing a combination of of digital and practical 
at the school, you're, you're teaching ZBrush as well as traditional prosthetic makeup. What do you, what do you do to get them feeling comfortable? I think a lot of the students come in and have a, um, some background in computers, but some never sat in front of really a computer other than TikTok on their phones. So I, what I do is when students first come in, I show them how, how it's helped me. If it wasn't for ZBrush, I would not have a, a chocolate line. And the chocolate line was because I sculpted a character and someone in my class said, oh, that looks so good. I, I just want to eat it. I thought, hmm. And then a friend of mine worked at a chocolate factory and then I did a, he said, do a pitch to the owners. And so I did a pitch and they were like, sure. And suddenly it became a, uh, a, a chocolate edible fubby. And, <laughs> and, 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 I, and to do that, if it wasn't for ZBrush, I, I could have sculpted it. I had sculpted this character a long time ago, but I scanned it into the computer and I was using it as a demo in one of my classes. So I took that, I kept on making it a little bit cuter and chubbier. So in ZBrush, I made the molds for it or the masters to make the molds in food safe silicone from SmoothOn. So ZBrush made it easy to make a chocolate collectible. Something I would never think. I love Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I love yeah, Willy yeah, Wonka. Yeah. And I never thought I would get to participate in something like that. So Willy Wonka, the, the Chocolate Factory, I, I made chocolates. And then from chocolates, it became squeezy toys because they were meant to be squeezy toys. Um, so again, I made the molds all in ZBrush or the structures to pour the molds into in ZBrush. Um, and it, it's the making molds that fit together perfectly. You don't have to make separation walls in real life and it makes things easier. So I show people, you can make toys, you can make food, you can make so many things outside of special effects, no matter what it's worth as an artist investing in. Yeah, And I it just becomes right. exciting because it isn't just, oh, it's a, it's a technical thing I need to learn. And yeah, it just opens up a whole new world of, of potential. Yeah, you're mm -hmm. right. They see it as 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 a as a as sort of a, an insurmountable sort of process to learn. But like you're saying, if you can actually demonstrate to them real world applications, and it's all from the same thing. It's kind of like once you can learn to read, you can read any books. You know what I mean? So just, <laughs> you know, find a subject you like and go for it, and and improve. Um, and that's new, I think, relatively speaking, isn't it, as a thing? Because it wasn't, you went to a makeup school, that wasn't an option 20 years ago, really. And now I think you're one of the few people that, that know the, the old school stuff and the new school stuff to be able to do that and merge the two. Because I think when people go to makeup school, they'll be taught by people who are, you know, very good seasoned makeup artists, but they're not necessarily familiar with the newer techniques or the digital stuff. So they won't be exposed to that in the same way that maybe 10 years from now, there will be veterans who are sort of now teaching or retired out of it. So there'll be like a body of, of work you can point to and say like that, you know, because mm -hmm. it wasn't there before. So this is all kind of new, but I think that's why it's quite all exciting. I knew there was gonna be a long pause there. <laughs> no, I, I was like, I did want to interrupt like, you. No, no, I got it. I'm it, uh, we're, we're doing this. Is, we're doing this in Zoom, so I can see the two. Don't of stop you, him. He's on a roll. He <laughs> <laughs> said, "Please stop him. He's on a roll." Yeah. <laughs> like, That's the best. Shot, a little shock neck collar that, that Todd has. The one you don't shut up. He goes, <laughs> stop me from here. Oh, uh, so there. Um, 
Yes. Uh, so, so let's talk a little about so what you where, where you sort of came from with your sculpting and everything. So, how did you get into sculpting? Was it just something you were interested in from way back, or were you exposed to sculpting through someone at school or something that was really informative in, in your view? In third in third grade, there was the big red dog book, and there was some clay, and I sculpted the big red dog just because there was clay in the book <laughs> it was third grade and it looked i i was shocked it looked like the big red dog so i tried it again did not look like a big red dog the second time <laughs> it was like i lucked out the first time but it was enough to feel excited i was very excited by that and then yeah. sculpting just felt like it was in in my body so that's where it all started the big red dog in third grade well, I, I remember reading reading somewhere that you know you did took a trip to to Disneyland or Disney World and got it got uh, started getting fascinated by the animatronics. You know, it was Hall of Presidents or, or oh, something. Yeah. Which the, yeah, how old I mean, were you it, when when that happened? Uh, I feel like it, it from from elementary school the sculpting and I liked um, inventing things. And I think that that those two together were the driving, driving forces. Disney is what I love, just like you said. Seeing the animatronics, the the the, the sculpture, the faces. So that was a great marriage of of both. Yeah, the Hall of Presidents blew my mind the oh, first time I saw space. that. Yeah, with Lincoln standing and up, that, that was and that incredible. was so long ago. I'm I'm sure it's now it's been updated. I would, I would like to think that they've updated it with current technology because they could. They could. Mm. Well, the Avatar um, animatronics pretty in, incredible at Disney. Yeah, that they, uh, that that is so fluid, and the and the speech animation is great. I mean, some I haven't gone there. I've only watched it on Disney Plus. I think it's a thing when you have something move in front of you and it's sort of interacting in your space, then it's like, oh, you know, it's just this, this thing that's moving and it's just, it's a, a wondrous thing and it's lovely. I mean, the whole animatronic thing is, I mean, I've not really done much in the way of animatronics, but I've been around a lot of people that are very good at it, like Chris Clark and Gustav and, you know, they've, they've, they've worked on Star Wars and things and you see you know just how how good this stuff is and how much how much work goes into it and what i find quite interesting about the animatronic side of thing is when you're actually puppeteering it then it's it's not just about engineering it's actually about making it perform actually making it do something yeah. and you watch mm -hmm. the you know the the puppeteers as they've got the controller and they're actually emoting because you can't not and oh yeah chris amazing. clark is one of those guys yeah he's a great performer and you've got to get inside the heads. You have to understand the movement enough to be able to create the mechanics of it, which is a very structured, formed, you know, methodical thing. But then you also have to give it that kind of movement and life. And that's a, a rare thing to combine those two things. It's engineering, but it's also performance together and something like that. And I've seen you in makeups. You, there, was, there was some clips you put up of makeups of you in different like old lady and all that kind of stuff. Oh, from the wishing well. There are so many things to talk about. So many things. <laughs> um, I, I, that's why I'm like, I, I'm, I'm not sure which direction to go. The wishing well. Okay, let's go back, back in time. Okay. Animatronics, <laughs> Disney. <laughs> seeing the Hall of Presidents, going through Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean was was actually my my favorite. Um, and then looking at how that was all done in, in That's right. Disney anything's books. Anything's possible at Disneyland. Yes, anything's possible at Disneyland. 
And everything in Disneyland began as an idea at a unique branch of the Disney organization called Wed Enterprises. Here, the skills of the sculptor and the talents of many artists combine to create the amazing audio-animatronic cast of the Pirates of the Caribbean. That was great. And, and then going to Universal Studios when they were selecting people from the audience to be made up as Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein with prosthetics oh in front of a, a live crowd. I, I so wanted to be picked, but I was just a little kid, so they don't, don't pick you for that. But, but watching that live, like Stuart was saying, having that in your, in your body of going, wow, that looks so exciting. So the, those were the seeds. And then I loved Mission Impossible, the TV series at the time. So I wanted to be a spy and just remove faces. So I, it was prosthetics from Mission Impossible, Disney, animatronics, um, it, um, watching The Bride of Frankenstein and all the Lon Chaney incredible transformative disguises. That was what I wanted to do. Um, and then how do you work in inventing things and, and engineering? So in, in school, in high school, um, that's when I found out where you could get foam latex. And I could get it in town. And, and, and that's when I started to contact Dick Smith. And once I got foam latex and a good book on how to make molds, the good Vincent Key was it Vincent Keyholes? I have to take a look. It's, it's the, no, it's the um, Bagan. Oh, Lee Bagan, Lee yeah. Bagan. Three Lee Bagans. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's it's, an incredible uh, book. Yes. That, that, that was that my was Bible. my first. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Uh, Stuart's looking for his. I'm looking at my bookshelf now. Wasn't tethered to my um, computer with ear earphones. I'd go grab mine too. But that's not very exciting for um, someone listening on a podcast. Of no, I actually really. took my, I actually took my Bagan book and and cut the spine off and three hole punched it and put it in a in a binder so I could lay it flat and and refer to it while I was doing stuff. That's a good idea, I think. That, it, 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 they, that was the book and, and still is a yeah, great it's still, book today. still great stuff. So, so once, once I found that book and I started to um, do some molds, I, I, I did foam latex in, in my um, toaster oven. I made a nose and it was, I think, general latex's foam, which, I, which doesn't exist anymore, which I love the smell of. I'm sure it smells like toxic chemicals but to me it was so exciting because i made a nose in my toaster oven <laughs> um, and then right after that I, I volunteered in my high school to do five old age makeups for the a play called the rhymers of eldritch and there was a restriction because no one had done prosthetics to that level and part of it ended up being part of a competition so we only had 20 minutes to apply five full face old age prosthetics made out of foam latex. And that's um, when I think, thank God I had really cool friends. They all volunteered. I made a team of makeup artists um, using Prosade because that was the fastest way to apply a makeup. Um, just lay down Prosade and you can stick that foam latex on fast. All the pieces were pre-painted and we did five makeups in 20 minutes, full old age prosthetics. <laughs> And wow. <laughs> it was kind of insane, good, but it was possible. Good practice for face-off. It was a really good practice for face-off. But that was in a time when you're at an age where you just go, anything is possible. You have no fear. 
Um, even though I was a really quiet kid, um, I, you just go, yeah, I'll do it. What could possibly go wrong? And then you just plow through all those obstacles as you go. Mm -hmm. So once, once I did that, that's how I learned how to apply things very quickly, um, how to self-apply, because I did a lot of makeups on myself. So that's what really blows my mind. Self-application. Yeah, I, I am horrible at self-application. And you're, the stuff that you did for Wishing Well, those 26 self-applied characters, it's looking at it still today, it's, it's astonishing. I, what year was that? That, um, that I, I started it in 2002, um, and then I had to I did all the the molds for all those characters and full body cast in costumes and fat suits and arms and crazy stuff. So it took two two and a half years to complete. Um, I finished it in 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 2005. So if we go backwards, um, it was probably 2002 into 2003. I think I started it in 2003. And that, then it was done. But that was, I, that was, I always wanted to do a movie. I loved coming to America. I thought that was incredible. Rick Baker, incredible Eddie Murphy work. Um, no one was asking me to be Eddie Murphy in a movie. So I had to do that, do that myself, <laughs> and um, and I did. It was the hardest I've ever worked, and I've worked pretty hard. It's the hardest I ever worked in my life. Halfway through it, I remember the first year I was just basically creating the prosthetics and all the characters. I, I was basically casting my movie, and I almost had a nervous breakdown in it because I thought, "What am I doing? This is insane! So many molds." And for, for what? Because um, it was before we had iPhones. So you had to shoot it, um, not even HD. The best you could do was a PAL camera, which is a European format. So that would give you more resolution so you could pull a green screen from. And even pulling green screens was crazy and difficult um, off of a DV cam, which means it was just low res and really chunky. Um, and then did all of the shooting it in a sense everything was shot still one angle but then i brought it into after effects which is a compositing package and it has the ability to do 3d and um you can move cameras around in that 3d space so it's like a 3d software package but it's really geared towards 2d compositing but i made it work and it took forever and rendering everything took forever um and by the end of it where i was a broken man um, I was trying to do the music for it, and a friend of mine knew Roger Bellone, who was a, a brilliant composer, so he did the music. But other than him, I did all the aspects myself because I wanted to learn, you know, what, what do the lighting people have to do? What, what, do the D, what does the DP have to do? I wanted to know it all. Just as a, a kid wanting more, I wanted to, to know it all, and I really learned a lot from, from that project. I'll bet. I mean, it sounds like, the theme I'm seeing in your approach to most things is I want that thing. And so you put in whatever effort it requires to get that thing. And then you meet your obstacles, but you just, you feel the pain of that, but you just keep going and keep going and you overcome it and then it's done. And along the way, you've learned a lot of stuff. And I think if anyone was taking anything from this, if anything, it's just like, you can have it. You just have to be prepared to work and, and try these things out. Like you said, Oh, I found out how to, to glue things on quickly by just gluing them on. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was mm -hmm. like, how else are you going to find out when you're prepared to go through that, that difficulty and that uh, just repeating that, that mindset is, is 
valuable. I mean, it sounds like a, a kind of a, a you know, I'm kind of like blowing smoke up your ass, but it's just it, this that that that's such an important mindset to have because if you're going to achieve anything, you've got to go through those difficulties. But it's having that desire to want to see that thing. I want to this. I want to be a spy. I want to do that. That no, it's, 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 it's going to be there. Nothing, nothing worth having comes easy. No, but that's I, impressive. I, some, I think it, I, I forget who asked, someone asked me, "How do you stay motivated?" And I go. I, I don't I don't know the answer to that. It's just that it, it these things excite me. They're cool to me, and and I I just want to do it. I'm, I'm sort of dri- it's it's a drive. It's a it's out of my control. I th- find something interesting and pick up a book and read about it. Look on YouTube, figure it out. Call people, ask people. People are if you're if you're nice. People are usually nice back. That's one of the things I like about our industry so much is, you know, having come from a visual effects background and a traditional uh, illustration advertising background. If you want to know how to do something, all you need to do is ask. And I I attribute this to Dick Smith because he had, he, he believed that there were no secrets. And that's one thing I found among our peers is the sharing attitude seems to be prevalent among almost everybody who does this for a living. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is that when, if you give everybody everything, it's still going to be the ones that work hard with those things that they've got for nothing. Do you know what I mean? If you could give them all mm-hmm. of the information. That will, that will find still, the innovations, yeah, take it like to the ev- next level. Yeah, you could give everyone a top-notch camera. You're still going to get people who take better pictures with that top-notch camera than somebody else with the same camera because it's not the camera that's really taking the picture, is it? It's the person being in the right place at the right time and having some input into that. And it's that. That's the, that's the difference, I think. And I think, I think it's amazing and, and like you say with the, with the internet there's so much information out there you, but you've got to start with a desire we, we mentioned this yesterday it's the same thing you've got to have that yeah. desire to want to do it and um it's a it's a shame and I, I have been in some places where i've taught and like i've almost got to have energy for the room there's people in that room who are definitely really into it and other people and you just kind of think you just want to shake them and you know just like come on this is this yeah. is not why aren't you excited by this <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's, you know I, I sound like a broken record because I say this all the time is, you know, we do what we do because we can't not do it. Yeah. And like you and, say, you like know, you looking at yeah. looking at Rod, you know, I now I know why he looks so young is because, you know, he's so into it. it that we love doing with this because it's the fountain of youth. It, the excitement, I think, keeps us young. Oh, this it's it's so, so true. When I went to engineering school, uh, I I. I wanted to do animatronics. That was that was the main main reason why I went there. I loved robotics and a- animatronics, and um, and I went and when I made my a- cable controlled arms, I went to the machine shop and I machined you know, all the different parts. And it just took so long. And I was okay with the machine shop, not great. So the results were okay and not great at times. But now with with three D printing, everything is so precise. You can really um, make something so smooth. Like you were saying, Stuart, um, eye blinking mechanisms. You could just go make that fairly quickly, in comparison, um, and have it a polished professional product at the end. Um, something that 
was so hard to do in school and was so discouraging because the, the, it's great satisfaction if you can get it into your hands faster, the end result, mm -hmm. um, instead of days later or sending it out to someone else to go and do or wait, waiting with that whole waiting thing. And um, now it's, it's so fast. It just is so many things are more possible. The 3D stuff started for me um, with, do you, do you remember this? I'm gonna hold this up to the camera and people online can't hear. This little keychain thing, which I oh, still yeah. have. Oh, it's yeah. a little, it's a little yeah. medallion mold. It's, it's, a, it's a zombie bullet hit. Um, and I sculpted it in ZBrush and I, and I made the invert, inverse of it. So you basically make the negative, the mold and um, sent it off to Shapeways and they printed it in metal. So it became my keychain. And it's a portable mold for a bullet hit. Now you can make bullet hits with third degree pretty pretty quickly, um, or with um, thickened prostate. But just the fact that I could make a mold of something um, was great. And then my friend um, Jerry Macaluso gave me his old Form One Plus, and uh, I was like, ah, oh, I have my own toy machine. And for those that don't know Form Labs, it's a resin printer, and, and there are two main printers out there. Um, you can think of it two main ones. Um, resin, um, which allows you to get super fine detail in your prints. Um, it's done with light per layer. Um, and then there's this thing called FDM printers, which is like a hot glue gun, pretty much squeezing out a layer. Um, the, the resin printers can print finer. And, and not, to, not to school. Tell me if I'm going to be extra boring. Um, the, no. the way that... No? Okay. The way, for listeners, the way the 3D printing works is imagine that you have a sculpture, and let's make the sculpture a big loaf of bologna, and that's your sculpture. And what 3D printers do, the computer takes that loaf of bologna and makes it slices of bologna, slices it up, um, and then sends each slice to the printer, and it prints one slice of bologna. And the way that it does it, if you want to think of a hot glue gun, squeezing out the perimeter and then filling it in. So you have one layer of melted hot glue, the, the thickness of bologna. And then the hot glue gun moves up one layer and prints another slice of bologna. So layer by layer, you're making bologna, bologna, bologna. And eventually, you have big loaf of bologna at the end. Um, if that makes any sense, that was a weird bologna reference. <laughs> But there you go. So, so resin printers print each layer with liquid that gets hardened by light. Um, so it can, it can harden a super fine layer. So your slices of bologna are really, really fine and thin. So when you get done with this big loaf of bologna, you don't really see those slices. The FDM printers, um, the slices of bologna, because it's like hot glue, um, are a little bit more visible and thicker. So you'll see more of those ridges. The printers are pretty good, um, and they both have purposes. So that was my digression to say what 3D printing is in a nutshell and the two types of printers. The resin printers um, years ago were, and they still can be, 200000 100000 to $200,000. Oh, more, more than that. <laughs> I, think Strat, I think Stratus has, has one that's close to a million that, that'll oh. do seven or more different materials simultaneously. Yeah, the, those printers and they're incredible printers. There's a reason why they're that expensive. Which is what they use. Leica uses those for uh, their stop motion puppets. Ah, and it, and, it prints, and prints it painted, fully painted. Those are. Yes. I I've, I don't know if I've seen the one you're talking about, but I've seen similar ones, and they they are incredible. Um, so with those high, those were the printers. 
that you that you had as an option. So you had to go through a service bureau, someone that had it to print something for you. And you can print out a model for $5,000 or $7,000 if you're doing a collectible, um, a big full-size collectible. But Form Labs came out with their resin printer, the Form 1 Plus. And I think it was on, uh, it was a crowdfunded piece, I think. I think I could be wrong about the very first Form 1. But um, the Form 1 Plus, so I got that, and that's when I learned how messy <laughs> this whole gooey liquid resin thing is. But out of this goo, when it's done, you had a toy, you had a creature, and it was it was incredible that it just kind of appeared. And then I discovered all the things you could do wrong with that printer and, and how to damage it. <laughs> <In there. laughs> Which, <laughs> and for those listening, that particular printer, it, it, the, the light comes from a laser beam, like a laser show, show. It gets scribbled right and left, right and left, back and forth, back and forth. That's how it hardens the layers. And the way that it bounces back and forth is a laser beam is hitting this, this tiny little mirror called it's set up it's galvo mirrors and then it bounces off of that mirror to another mirror to a bigger mirror to like underneath underneath the platform um to through plexiglass to silicone uh, so many bounces which means every step of the way there's something that can go wrong and get dirty including those microscopic tiny little galvo motor mirrors so that's when i learned how to take it apart and basically, you look like you're in something from Outbreak with the, with the goggles and the gloves and the mask and, and keeping dust away. And you get these little Q-tips with alcohol and you have to polish everything. And I had to replace mirrors. Needless to say, painstakingly, because I have a disorder of being driven because it excites me. So you plow through all the pain. It's not something that you, you know, you'd want anyone to go through. But... I wanted the end result, so you learn. Um, and I, now I know how those printers work from the inside out because I basically had to take it apart and rebuild it. Um, and and that, that was, that was uh, again, how, how I uh, learned the little, little bit I know about 3D printing today. I've, I think about the most technical I've had to get with my printers, with, the, with my Lulzbot, uh, my, my filament printer, is I had to replace the hot end a couple of times. Mm -hmm. um, and that gets into some, because all this stuff is in a really tight space and wires. It's, it, oh, it, and, it's, and was, you have to use it up to of, clean it out. Yeah, there was a lot of profanity involved with that. There's always a lot of profanity. Always. Yeah. But that's I and mean, when you do that as well, you start to appreciate like the work that went into coming up with this. I mean, I might just be replacing, you know, a, a wheel or something. And somebody like, thought it up. Yeah, and figured this out. And I presume there are elements of it in other industries, and that's why you know. I mean, you look at uh, some printers; they look very, very basic, but it's still relying on incredibly accurate, like tenth of a millimeter movements that are oh, repeated, it's... and 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 mostly they're fine. And if they go wrong, it's because something's loose and needs tightening or something. You go, that's quite amazing. That how does that little, frame. yeah, how yeah. does that little mirror keep on going back and forth, back and forth without just you know falling yeah. off after like five times? Yeah, 
I, I just I don't get bored of it. And so that's when I see what well, I was saying to Todd earlier about like when you see in a forum and someone showing you something that's not flawless, like there's a little bit of line or something on the print. I'm like, dude, so maybe you got to spend a day sanding it and finishing it. But that's what my job was. You know, <laughs> I'd have to make it from scratch. But if you want one that's 10 percent bigger, you don't have to make another one. You just press print. You know what I mean? That it's is like so true. <laughs> it's scale. It, it, 10% scale, scale yeah. is fantastic. Uh, there, there are just so many of those little things, which are not so little. You just go, yeah, I just want to tweak it a little bit. I don't have to re-sculpt it. Um, it's yeah. just having that, that, hard, that hard work, the old school sort of in, in the back of your mind. It means all of the benefits that you have with 3D printing, you really notice them and you become not, le not, not entirely free of, but you become a lot less concerned when things go slightly awry because it's better than not having a printer because the alternative is having to make it by hand mm -hmm. um, which you know i've done so it's yeah so so what if you're you're in a situation where you you're not able to to sculpt this in zbrush and you need need to acquire the model some other way let yeah, me say scanning scanning is the greatest thing I mean, right now it's still costly. You you can get away with um, like you know, Trinio, who, who I know the developer, uh, he, a really nice guy and, and bright. So he has this uh, basically 3D scanning for the iPhone. Um, I believe it's it's cross platform, but you can scan even items for 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 iPads as well. That's mm -hmm. you know. It may be in the thousand dollar range, but you know, it's still that's a pittance compared to what some of these other scanners are. And then there's software like uh, photogrammetry software, like um, capturing reality, mm -hmm. which which is pretty extraordinary. Which I, I use that quite a bit um, when researching the 3D printing chapter for my book, which you so graciously contributed to. It's I still look well, at that I stuff and go, "Thank you, man. For that's being that's so that's so cool." Yeah, you, um, you you posted some amazing pictures of some mold you had or old life cast or something, and you scanned. Well, you did a mold. combination of of two faces to to do a nose. There are so many things about a three D scanner that that are useful. I, I I would say if if you're a traditional sculptor, you can you can sculpt in clay, and scan it into the computer and finesse it in the computer. Um, great thing about sculpting in the computer, you can zoom in. And, and work on a small detail that you don't have to get a magnifying glass and the smallest sculpting tools to work on. You can make it full screen. Or you can go into VR and use something like Oculus. Um, it is now Adobe Medium. And basically climb into someone's nose and sculpt inside someone's <laughs> nose. And, and, and that is um, in, incredible. And that those are the benefits. You know, you say scaling something so you can just scale something out without re-sculpting it, but really getting into the detail of someone's face uh, and, and without your thumb accidentally or your knuckle pressing in on the clay. Or in ZBrush, you can do fine detail and all your pores and wrinkles. And then um, if a producer says, we want those cheekbones bigger, you, those details can be saved into memory. You can re-sculpt the, the face and then have everything projected back. Which is basically saying all your hard work of fine detailing doesn't go away. And you can add a little bit more clay, smooth it out, and all your wrinkles just go right back on top of it. Mm -hmm. and, and that is, again, one of the many things that are useful 
about sculpting in the computer. But with the 3D scanners, you can sculpt in real clay. And as much as I love ZBrush and I love using Medium, um, there's, there's no comparison to having your hands for me on clay. You can do it with your eyes closed. You can feel it. You can feel those shapes. I say to some students that are just learning, I say, there's so many ways of seeing your work. And sometimes it's just with your eyes closed and feeling it. It is like if you give a friend a massage and they have a knot in their back, you know when to press down a little harder, a little softer, a little gentler. It's in your body. It's a visceral feeling thing. And sculpting in clay is in your body it's it's not to not to think of um ghost you know with the, with the <laughs> with the spinning wheel and all maybe that's um a different type of visual but but it is in your body when you're working with clay so you can work with clay scan it into the computer and work with it digitally or scan it in and go directly to print there are some printers out there that have a scanner already built in um, those are more of like the hot glue type of printers. The FDM printers are, tend to be an all-in-one sometimes. They have uh, a scanner in there. So you can sculpt something, scan it, and then 3D print it all in one. Um, right. and, and, and the reason why I, I just want to jump back to 3D um, printing on a FDM printer, the hot glue printers. I never really thought much about those because I didn't like the idea that they had lines in them, that you can see those slices of bologna. But I, I was doing a talk years ago for, for IMATS, and that's when I had the Form 1 Plus, and I really wanted to show that you could make molds on that Form 1. But that's when I, I accidentally spilt resin on one of the mirrors, and, and, and that's where the laser bounces off of. And then I just couldn't clean the damn thing, no matter what, and that's when I started to take it apart. I'm like, my, my class is going to start in about two weeks. It was around Christmas time, and that's when Best Buy was selling XYZ filament printer, the FDM printer, the hot glue gun printer, for like two eighty-five for one. And I was like, I'm getting that. I don't care if the molds are bad. It's going to demonstrate the purpose uh, that I was trying to get across. And it turned out that that mold was pretty damn good. I mean, really good, where I made the negative – just 3D printed the negative and was this poured. An ear? It was the ear. Yes. Yeah, I think I was yeah. there at the show. Yeah. And so that was that was that happened because I had no choice, and I was <laughs> I was okay. Well, we'll make a two hundred and fifty dollar printer work, and that's when I started to appreciate the FDM, the hot glue gun type of printers, mm -hmm. and um, you can do a lot with them. And I always thought, wow, this is great if you're a doctor let's say in Los Angeles, and you have um, a team of doctors in someplace else in the world, you can be creating a prosthetic and then the molds here in Los Angeles and email it to another country and 3D print it there, which is going to be faster than FedExing or DHLing it someplace. Absolutely. So suddenly the speed makes sense, even back then for the FDM printers. Do you know um, Landon Meyer? Did, yes, uh, yes, of yeah, course, the, of the course. The big baby, and he did. Of course, did brilliant, and, hilarious masks. Yeah. Um, he was printing those all on a filament printer. He was using the, mm -hmm. the same machine I have, uh, I think maybe even a, a generation earlier. And you couldn't see the ridges on him. I mean, if you got up really, really close and had a magnifying glass, you could, you could see the the striations in the, in the silicone after he did them 
did the silicone into the back painted it into the mold but he did all of those you know he used to do it traditionally and then he said i'm gonna see if i can try to do this but he's he was printing all of those uh i think danny devito was and and brian cranston those were all printed on a on a filament printer i i saw his process and the end result truly for anyone listening go take a look at his his work it's beautiful and it and you don't see the size difference the, even no, though the heads weird, are bigger it? it's don't. really really weird <laughs> they just look regular size even though they're big enough to put over your head like a giant mask with with regards to scanning so i mean one of the things i think that's amazing with scanning is things like for example if you did it instead of a life cast you don't get any of the distortions that the life casting material would would put on you know especially if someone's got a lot of looser skin and you know that kind of stuff i remember seeing i think it was i didn't work on it but some friends were at the time i think it was fred claus and there was a, a scan of paul giamatti and it was a you know he had his eyes open and it yeah. wasn't a high resolution scan at all but it was real you know it was accurate because there wasn't any great you know there would be no real distortion or anything because of the, mm-hmm. thing on the outside so you get the benefits of things like that with with scanning, what, what are the realistic kind of options if someone was interested in looking at scanning? Is there like a handheld scanner you can buy or the photogrammetry option do you think that someone could play around with? Or is it like, no, you need to spend 30 grand minimum to get it? I, I, I would <laughs> say look 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 at uh, Trinio. 3D scanning and printing statues using Trinio, T-R-N-I-O. That's that's why, because there, there is no mixer. letter yeah. after, no vowel after the T-R. Yeah. So it's T-R-N-I-O. N-I-O. So I, I always say Trinio. Um, uh, and then I always I feel like I'm it. saying, okay. I think that's how and I that, say And then that is where what we have. So take a look at Trinio, T-R-N-I-O. Wow. And they do have a, a pro version, but that is a great way to start. And, and 3D scanning. Um, Says the software required for Trinio's $2.99. There you go. So that's a little cheaper than the really expensive ones that could be thousands of dollars, if not if not tens of thousands of dollars. So so yeah. 3D wow. scanning in a, in a nutshell for those that are listening. Um, one of the ways that like this app works is it takes a photograph from all different angles and then it somehow figures out that object in 3D space and it creates that object in 3D. So it's a 3D scanner. Um, because it's taking pictures from different angles, you really don't want to move because it, it needs a, a solid object to kind of piece all those pieces together. If you move, it won't know your face if you're doing a face. is the same face that was photographed you know, moments ago. So you really want to be still. Um, that is an inexpensive way to go. Then there are handheld scanners that basically um, are taking pictures so fast with the scanner, it, it captures 3D a little bit faster and um, it's calibrated. So when you scan something, you can actually take measurements off of it. So the handheld scanners, which start to creep into anywhere from 3,000, I would say for a decent handheld scanner, um, up to um, 25,000. A lot of people, if you know, if you have a, a pro- yeah, if you have a production company and you have a project that you go, this is budgeted twenty five thousand dollars. Well, 
then you can make it work for you and then you can use it in other projects. I would not recommend someone just going, I want to play with this. Let me go spend and invest $25,000 in it because in a year from now, there's going to be something faster and cheaper as with any computer. But the $25,000 scanner, there's um, the one that a lot of people have is the Artec Space Spider. And it captures incredible detail and you can, you can, it's a flashing light because when it takes a picture, it flashes a light. Um, so flashing a light in someone's eye as you scan something can be a little distracting, but you can do it. You can do a, a head cast, just like you were saying, without the weight of material pulling down on your skin. Mm-hmm. And um, whether it's the Artex scanner I have from Creaform, um, which is a great company, a Canadian company, um, their GoScan 20, that's a... Um, a ten thousand dollar scanner. Um, it's it's still you know the the price of a, a small car um, or used car, and and then you can go down to um, Shining 3D. There the Einscans, and those can be a little less expensive, but they're all basically the same idea: a handheld thing that's flashing light. Um, some have infrared. And they're capturing pictures around your object. And then the software assembles it into 3D. All those scanners are very precise. They're meant for actually getting measurements off of things. Um, so that's the basic idea of the scanners. Now, you, like I say, when you're using one of these scanners that's flashing light or taking pictures from all angles, if you move, you're going to mess things up. Wouldn't it be nice if you can take all the pictures at once, the same instant, um, which is what I, I was trying to do years and years ago because I wanted to put together a, a clip art CD for people that were doing 3D of, of uh, fit models in the T-pose. And T-pose is, if you imagine standing with your arms out to your side, that is what um, a, a T-pose is for a character. It's, it's good to set up for animators. They can put bone structure in it called rigging. Um, so you can animate the characters. So that, that's a T-pose. So I was setting people up and photographing them from multiple cameras from all angles. Such a pain in the butt. And that's when we didn't have digital. So you had to develop the film and make sure all the colors were the Lord. same. Um, so I started that years ago. And then I just go, this is, the technology is not there for me. Um, so I stopped. And now there's this great company, the 3D, um, 3D Scan Store, I believe. I, we have to look that up because I want to give them kudos too. Because um, they, they, they loaned me this great scan of, uh, of a model, which I have to say, um, when you're doing life sculpting, you, it's great to have someone sitting there, a model, real life. I always say, have, sculpt from real life, your creatures are going to be more realistic if it's grounded in reality. So you have a great morgue, and morgue is what we call a, a, a bunch of photographs of different people from all different angles. So you're not just sculpting something that's go, wow, that's a nice blob of clay. It actually is grounded in, in reality. Right. So to now you can go to, um, and Todd is- Yeah, I'm, quick, I'm, look, I'm looking at it right now. Let me, let me, shoveling let noodles me. down your neck or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am. Is this it? Who, who's that? Who was the company? Um, three, this is the 3d scan store. Yes. 3d scan store. Um, I just didn't want to, you know, do a little dyslexic flip and call it 3d store scan or something. 3d scan store. They have a scanner 
that is like I said, the handheld scanners takes multiple pictures at the same, you know, uh, as you, multiple pictures as you scan around an object. I was trying to take all the pictures at the same time with no idea that you could turn it into 3D with those photographs. That technology wasn't there. Now they they have a, assembled like 3D scan store has the most incredible room for 3D scanning, and there are um, digital cameras set up all over the room in a circle up and down dozens that all in a flash take pictures of your model at the exact same time so there's no movement in your model whatsoever so when the software gets all those pictures it puts together a flawless eyes open uh, you know with no fla flashing lights that's going to bother your actor's eyes in an instant and check out 3d scan store for their or the scans because you can download um, a scan of someone's face to start working with you know their their prices are are very reasonable so you get a pro scan a 3d scan and you can start sculpting on someone's face as if you had a $25,000 scanner that's um, such a useful thing because wow. I'm using pictures yeah. all the time in ZBrush totally. I, I'll doodle for half an hour so I'll, I'll find a you know a nice picture of an old face or something and I'll kind of copy it just for the exercise of sculpting because I can mm -hmm. doodle with it but if I had a 3d reference I could have my tablet move it around on my tablet and use it the same way but it's complete you know it's can, complete you can and, you can and, and, still and learning. If you're, it's wonderful to use inside a zbrush it's wonderful to use inside of adobe and medium because um, you literally can stand next to someone and like i said if you're really curious how to sculpt an ear you zoom in now you have an ear that's three feet tall in front of you and you really can see the detail and um when we're using reference photos, because we all have color in our faces, even if you shot it in black and white, we'd have freckles, all the things that we try to add as makeup artists to make a, a prosthetic look realistic. But as a sculptor, those can be distracting. You may not see your forms. Um, we were talking about that yesterday with Adam. Ah. Exactly that, um, you know, that, that it is a distraction. I, I didn't, I'm sorry about interrupting you. Go no, ahead. no, no, I'm glad. And, and um, I, I can't wait when Adams is put together to, to listen to his interview. The, I, I would say a lot of people that are sculpting that are lucky enough to have head casts in their shop, mm -hmm. you pull one of those down and it's colorless. It's in, in meaning it's, it's gray cement. Most of the time it's gray ultra cal cement and you are not distracted by anything except the forms mm -hmm. and that's a great way for me to sculpt as references you just go oh I, that's that shape and to be able to now do that in the computer or vr and scale things up and down is so useful not only to learn i i i remember when i was learning and D this is in the day when dick smith was available you picked up the phone my grandmother loved when he called um rod you know dick's calling um and he he would answer all questions and he would say the importance he always puts together a morgue he always assembled new photographs more photographs more things to work from he'll always go back to his morgue um always go back to the morgue and it, it, that's the importance of using real life so if you have an unlimited supply of old, young, every age to work from, just like Stuart was saying, you, you, in our downtime, you sculpt and no one's watching. Do a crap job. Sculpt something awful. Um, I remember when I was going, when, when I was going to do Face Off and, and I, I, I had my own trepidations of, about doing a reality show and doing it. But I was like, wow, you get to do something for fun 
and they're going to give you an unlimited shop full of materials that you can go to town with. Um, that was, other than the wishing well, that was the second thing that was the most hardest thing I've ever done because the time restrictions on season three were just insane. I, I remember, and I've been airbrushing since I was a kid, but every day I was like, I'm going to be on that show. I'm going to look like an idiot on, on national TV. So I better not look as big of an idiot as I might end up being no matter what. So at least control what you can control. So every day I, I just got my airbrush and I made, I did wax on wax of Karate Kid, circles right, circles left, um, lines, dots. And sometimes it looked like crap and I was just like, eh looks like crap. And I just did it every day and I got better and better. Even though I was fairly decent at airbrushing, I knew I needed to get better at it. And who cares if things are awful? That's the big thing for any of us, no matter how old we are or how professional. You, you know, sometimes the more professional we are, the more fearful we are of showing something that's not up to the level of um, what we're, where people are used to seeing from you. Nah, who cares? It's part of growth as an artist. Make mistakes and learn from it. Don't judge yourself. I think, you know, just like Stuart was saying earlier, we have students that some are, eh, they want to be there. They just want to kind of know and add it to their bag of tricks, but they may not be hardcore. They may not even know coming into the school um, what foam latex is or silicone. They just kind of go, I want to do that thing. And then there are other people that really was like, oh, yeah. I, for me, I formulated my own foam latex years ago for, for that company. Um, I was like, I want to know. Dick Smith gave me his, his formula for the mold release using fatty acids and ammonia and water. And so I was cooking my own um, steric mold release. Um, but he did not tell me his formula or the formulas for foam latex. So I had to work with a chemist and figure, figure that out. But I digress. You make mistakes. You make, there's so much failure to get something that is new, especially if you're doing something brand new, you're finding your way. Yeah. And, and Todd is right. That's what keeps all of us like kids because it is still a playground. It is a playground of fun toys. We just happen to get paid for it, um, which is great that that is a possibility. And yeah. The, the students that love it as much, I think that's why the, the main things, certainly during COVID times, I, I teach ZBrush. And it's, I've used it back in the day, I want to say for 20 years, maybe it's 15 years. I don't remember how long I've had ZBrush. And ZBrush is a, we think of it as a 3D sculpting package. But originally, it was, it, it was somewhere between flat image and 3D. You could pull things like out of the screen in math that's the z direction so they called it zbrush you can kind of pull things out at you and it would cast shadows it would look three-dimensional but you couldn't rotate it around it was just kind of like stuck to the screen or dropped to the screen so they called that because it was somewhere between 2d and 3d they called it two and a half d and zbrush is really by default a two and a half d software package and it became more of a 3d sculpting package as the years went on and right now it's really great for 3d sculpting and that's where a lot of people you know just base themselves into and just for 3d sculpting i think a lot of that 2d stuff is still it's in still there in there default, and but I, nobody uses it 
Yeah, it, it is it is it very easy for those that are learning ZBrush, um, the, the full package, to take a ball of clay and not realize it when they've turned off the 3D-ness of it and they drop it to the screen and they can't rotate it anymore. So they're, they're, this software package, it's about an $800 to $900 software package if you want to buy it outright. Um, and it, it, it sounds like a lot of money because it is a lot of money, but that software package has so many tools in it and so many possibilities um, that, it, that it's worth it. Now, you may not need all those things. You may not even need the two and a half D. Then I would suggest go for their step down for ZBrush Core, which it has all the core features for 3D sculpting. And that's a great way to go too. You don't have to worry about dropping things and getting extra confused. And then they have even the, the smaller one, which is free Z ZBrush Core Mini, um, which you can just download and start sculpting. Um, but um, I, I, got, I, I went off such a tangent of excitement. It was awesome. I, no, it was absolutely joy. No, it's great. Well, I, I love hearing you hearing you reinforce what Stuart and I is, is encouraging failure when you're when you're learning things. And I think that's one thing that some of my fellow instructors at a at a school where I taught years ago um, had seemed to have forgotten that making mistakes is part of the learning process. If you don't, if you don't fuck things up, you don't learn anything. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's hard. And sculpting any creative endeavor, really, they tend to be quite slow, methodical processes. So there's plenty of time for the negative thought to creep in. And so I always like to talk to people who are, you know, have been doing stuff for a while to kind of reveal that side of things so that people who might hear this will go, Oh, it's not just me. Do you know what I mean? You don't need to beat yourself up about it. That is a normal feeling to have. And, 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 you know, if, if you're making something that isn't done yet, it might go wrong. The, the, like, like you're saying, it's like, well, if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. It's not, you're landing a plane in a heavy crosswind. It's like, it's not a disaster. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a lump of clay or digital clay. Have you had a look at, um, it was Nomad. Neil Gorton was, um, he did a sculpt that was on the, uh, he's posted of like a Nosferatu head. I've doodled yes. around with Nomad, but I haven't really taken it seriously um, because I've got yes. ZBrush and, and it's pretty good. It's like 15 quid or something. Yes. And it's, it, it's, it's, it's a, that's a great software package. It, I would say if you know ZBrush, it's easy to jump into Nomad. For, oh, for man, it's, it's like it's like do it, stuff in it that you go, why isn't it this easy on ZBrush? <laughs> I think I think you can. I think, first of all, dropping things in ZBrush is, is a thing, um, you know, to that two and a half D world. So it could be daunting in ZBrush for, for many reasons. And I, I'm sure that Nomad, the developer, is probably trying to you know, be a good competition to and involve all the things, um, incorporate all the things from ZBrush into that package. If you happen to have um, an iPad Pro, um, I would I, I have the the smaller iPad Pro um, because I didn't want to have this big sheet of glass for my artwork. But if I got more into Nomad, I would I would have the 12 inch one. I think that that the yep. bigger the better for for sculpting in that software package. I've got um, I've got Nomad on my iPad. It, oh, it, 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 and, and Forger was another one that came out that was that also was a, a, a good sculpting package um, for 3D. So for, for those that are listening, you have a lot of options um, mm. of what you can do with sculpting in 3D. You, 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 and like I said, ZBrush Core Mini is free. So you can just go and do that. If and you, you can't have a, break it. 
So you go can, in there and, and, and experiment. Yep. Mm. At least give yourself an idea. And that package is all set up. I think you can send it out to a 3D printer when you're done. So it's really, really user-friendly. Oh, I know where I completely went off the track. So both, both of you were as teachers, we've all had students that um, are exceptional. You know, the ones that just will put in that extra time and do insane stuff because they do have that. They love the end result or it's just yeah. for them. It is they would a succeed. <clears throat> they would mm -hmm. succeed no matter what. No matter no matter what. And and those are the students we all would like to have. But as teachers, we you, you know, you want to be able to help anyone, even the ones that are that are fumbling, because I, I have found, and I'm sure you have too, where you have a student you just go, wow questionable <laughs> and at the end of the day impressive because it is a process so if you feel like you're questionable <laughs> in your talent to put in the work because at the end of the day you can do something incredible um so in in my zbrush class uh, the, the, I've, I've taught in many different places um cms is is one of the main places where i have taught zbrush um with C cms because of covid um doing its thing on on its side right now i've been teaching zbrush um for companies um via zoom so i teach instead of teaching a 15 person class i teach a four to five person class and they're usually all with the same company and they're all the same driven because they're the ones the company's spending money for them to get better to have product um, compared to i just want to feel it out um, and those students working on zoom um, are great and, and it, it's across the board solid work and even those that just want to be able to communicate it that might feel like they're working in play-doh and their characters may feel like a play-doh like someone i always say sometimes clay can look like you just beat it with a beat a potato with a hammer um so you know that it, it all becomes part of the beginning process to get better so zoom turned out who knows who knew that covid would actually be a great thing i i enjoy um teaching zbrush for people that have no background whatsoever via Zoom, it is just really rewarding um, to watch people do that in a very short amount of time. I would say you don't ever, I always say this to students, you don't have to study with me. Find a teacher that really can explain things with the why. I, always, I, I as a, my own student, need to know why. I don't want to know just how. I need to know why. Yeah, and if I know why, yeah, yeah, I think it why, is the, why is the most important part? Most important yeah. part. Or yeah. you're just going to you're going to forget it because you're just following steps on a checklist. Because there are, there are a half dozen ways to do everything, and you need mm -hmm. to know why this way and not that way. Mm -hmm. Well, here's why. But it's here's that magical why. thing yeah, of once yeah, you it's know. It's so important. Well, once you know how to do something, the reason it matters so much is because these things that you either wanted to do or now you suddenly want to do because you've been exposed to the, how it can be done suddenly like you you almost see this future thing open up that wasn't there before you're like oh i want to do that thing now and then you're lifted up to that next thing and it's it's magical it's absolutely magical and i'm the same when every time like todd i was trying to i was having a hard time with some zbrush and todd wrapping some videos that we looked up and and it was just like and as soon as you've like got something that you were trying to do and you know how to do it and it makes sense <laughs> you're like oh my gosh now i can do this stuff and you just feel like you're growing it's it's another way of putting it. you almost feel like 
I know it's that kind of like if you ever had a really bad flu or something, you feel really ill, and then like you wake up one morning after a feverish night, and now you're better, and you're, do you know what I mean? You feel like you're light. It's <laughs> yeah, like no. that. Uh -huh. It's kind of like yeah. that, and it's like it's lovely, and it's that's the reward for struggling in this darkness, trying to get to it, and then suddenly someone says the thing, or you just, or you have to go through it, and find, and sometimes you don't even know how to ask the question because it's a a thing that defies words it's like i want to make this thing do that and then you learn oh that's called a thing and then once you know that's what it's called then you can refine your search and suddenly oh. <laughs> it's so oh, true it's so true like uh, for for okay let's go back to 3d printing to the form one plus and having me drip resin on a mirror and ruining it and having to take it apart um learning all those things i i really i was pulling my hair out but going through that um, really helped and it makes you more it makes you feel in your work more powerful not powerful to other people not being oh ego to other people you feel more in control of your work um, and you can work faster the whole point of learning ZBrush from the bottom up is once you've got it then it becomes a ball of clay in your hands. It's not a computer anymore. It's not a confusing thing. It's just another tool. 3D printing, when you, sure, Form Labs got to a place where you just go upload your sculpture and hit print pretty much. It will do, take care of all the things that are problematic. With the newer, less expensive printers coming out there, there's some free software out there that does that slicing of the bologna for you. Um, putting the supports where you need them to make 3D printing work. Um, but there's a lot of what kind of resin goo are you using? Do you have to set the settings more? Do you need more supports? Do you need those supports to connect thicker, to keep it from falling off the platform? Do you need to punch a hole in it so when it's printing, it isn't creating like a suction cup in the, in the vat of goo to pull it off the platform? All those things I have been tortured by. Um, and I, let, let's face it, I don't like being tortured. I don't think any of us do. But that is part of the learning curve um, that allows you to get the end results that you want. And the end results, I, I only hope that those that are listening are like Todd and Stuart and myself. We love, not to speak for the both of you, but that's what it feels like. We love the end result. We love what you can do with this stuff. That's why we say it's we're like, like kids because we are. It becomes a new toy. Uh, and you're like, wow. For me, I'm like, I, I, I made that. Um, and it, it's, it's really, there's so many rewards, but it's you a know, lot I, of pain and goo and sticky messes everywhere for 3D printing when it comes to resin. Oh yeah, it's, it's, and, and the learning process is not something I dread anymore with, you know, the what can go wrong with it. I'm actually like the, the, the technical aspects of, of troubleshooting backwards to figure out why something went wrong uh, and, and fixing it. You know, with ZBrush, I'm still not good at it, but I'm feeling more competent with it. You know, it's, I look forward to opening ZBrush and starting something from scratch because I, I know, now I know I've been doing it long enough that I know what buttons to push. I know what brushes I'm going to use. 
mm-hmm. and what to stay what to stay away from. I know if something disappears from my screen, now I know how to get it back without quitting out of the program and saying, "God damn it!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've all had though, and, and having to and having to you know <laughs> now now I can do it without without any flop sweat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it is always annoying when stuff goes wrong. But like you say, that, that you, you learn that the, there is some real value in that. Because when you calm down, you take that, you know, that frustrated emotion to one side. If you spend a bit of time, you can actually find the clues that point to the failure and why it went wrong. And then once you've identified them, we say this a lot about, you know, when things go wrong, when you're sculpting something or and it just doesn't look right. The first thing that comes to you is a low resolution self-loathing, you know, that you just... <laughs> You're not quite sure why, but it's just wrong and wrong. And, and, and that can just feel like, okay, well, that means and I God. should stop. And, and I, is, is Home Depot hiring? So you just, you know, you, you kind of, but then when you can kind of specifically say, why is this wrong? Show it to somebody else and go, oh, that's wrong because the nose is too long and it, it, or it's slightly crooked or this cheek is coming out further than the other. If you look at it from above, you can see that you go, oh yeah. And then you change it. Then you realize the thing you don't like is a specific thing. It isn't a vague nebulous wrong. It's just there are several things that are wrong. And so your job is to, like you said, like reverse engineer, work backwards and find out what it is that is wrong. Because once you've identified it, you can see it and you correct it and it's not wrong anymore. And then so, you're Adam, Adam, well, Adam made the point yesterday where he was, he was sculpting um, a likeness, a portrait and something about the mouth wasn't, wasn't right. But, but the ma- it was it's spot on. And then he's, he stepped back and realized that the eyes were too far apart. He brought the eyes in a little bit and the mouth was perfect. Mm-hmm. I can, I have had similar things. You, you being able to see your sculpture from close up far away, every angle is so important or the most important thing, take a break and walk away from it because mm-hmm. your brain is messing with you. And that's the um, thing about ZBrush. Yeah. It's very easy to just keep moving stuff around or 3D model generate. But you mm-hmm. can work all the way around it. It's effortless, you know. Have you had a chance to use um, Medium, Adobe Medium, or any of the VR sculpting packages? No, that's, but, that's uh, on, it's on my it's on my wish list. I, I would say get get. I, I think it's the the latest Oculus, which is kind of hooked up with Facebook. So if you have Facebook issues, it's understandable because they they probably. <laughs> watching your eye movement to see what you look at at what time you know and then send you marketing to to gear towards that no, I but i'm intrigued about yeah. getting up up into up into a nostril and and it, it is i, I sell, say <laughs> when i'm having trouble with a with a 3d sculpt in a computer um either i will 3d print it so i can see it from all angles in the real world because i i say working on uh, a sculpture in the computer is like seeing your favorite movie star on screen, when you meet them in real life, you're like, "Wow, they're much shorter than I thought." Than I thought. <laughs> seeing something in real life compared to seeing it on the screen is is different. Three um, D printing it allows you to see your your famous actor in real life and realize, you know, because um, we we've had students that are are just eh, they're sort of interested, right? So and they've never sculpted before. So for me, when I'm teaching uh, anatomy and creature maquette, the first thing I have everyone do is to sculpt. Uh, a basic avocado shape. It's it's the basic. I start the the head with just let's make an avocado, and we take measurements of real life heads, um, like from from the widest part of a human head, usually around six inches. Temple usually around five inches. Um, 
and then front to back, maybe eight inches. Anyways, simple things. But all I want you to do, we're doing it half scale, so cut that in half. All I want you to do is make an avocado with those basic measurements. Try to do it by eye. And, and the end result really looks like, like I say, a potato that fell on the floor um, and someone stepped on it. it. You just go, and I said to Adam, I said, Adam, I just want, to, I want you to know with some of the students, you know, it's going to feel like round is hard. And, and that is not in any disrespect to anyone that finds round hard. Round, in fact, is very hard. If you're not work, used to working in 3D, in, 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 whether that's physical clay or in the computer, a lot of people see things flat, two and a half D. You're used to sketching, photographs. You're not used to seeing when you sculpt a face. Well, you know, the ears are actually halfway back into your head. Um, how far back do eyes go or the corners of eyes go? How far forward does the no nose go? So people tend to sculpt flat. They really don't sculpt full three-dimensional shape. That's one of the hardest things. So sculpt an avocado. And, and do it to specific measurements. Even sculpt a ball to specific. See if you can round that clay. Because just rounding clay, you're going to be rounding clays for nose, for cheeks, for chins. Most body parts are smooth and round. Um, and hence, we go back to the buttocks thing that I brought up. And I don't know why I keep on flagging it and coming back. But awkwardly, there I go, back to the buttocks. Um, <laughs> it is worth going into VR because if you, if you can't 3D print, Seeing it in VR, you literally can walk around it in 3D, and it does feel like you're, you have it in front of you because the scale is appropriate, um, meaning you do have something in front of you um, that's easier to see. Excellent. Well, we did, Santa did bring a quest this year, so uh, I'll be... Oh, so you do that. have the quest. I, get quest. The, get I haven't the... got round to hooking it up to my laptop. It doesn't work on my laptop. I tried, but I'm going to try on my desktop. because that. Has so you bought the difference. link, the cable that actually hooks yeah, it up yeah, directly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, go get Adobe Medium right away when you do that. Is it part stopping. of the suite? Because I'm a CC subscriber. I bet it's not. Um, I Was don't, it free? I, 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 I'm, I'm on their beta test team. I had it when it was Medium. And then they switched over to Adobe. I right. don't know if it, it was, it was, I, I don't remember. I don't know if it's free or not. But it, no matter what, pardon well, me, it's cool. not I didn't that know it's part expensive. Of the CC suite, because I'm, I, 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 if it is, it. that's great. That we all pay a lot for our CC suite. So, you know, yeah. which, which is a good, good deal because it has so much of everything in Lovely. it. Yes. Yeah, I couldn't live without it now. <laughs> just throw up InDesign for everything or Illustrator and Illustrator is great because I use Illustrator all the time with Fusion I'll make a complicated shape quickly in mm -hmm. Illustrator and then throw that into Fusion as a DXF file and I can you know extrude it and do things I'm an After Effects junkie oh I love After Effects love After Effects but I don't I was use it say, enough I should, I should do more things with it but I, I'm a bit scared of it I don't really there's almost nothing it can't do yeah, yeah. and if you're, you're comfortable with Photoshop things are very similar in a sense, I, I guess that's yeah. the good thing about Adobe is all of the software, they, the, the interface is very similar and the language is very mm. similar. So they work very mm -hmm. well together, don't they? So that's very cool. Oh my gosh, I'm all fired up now. Well, I'm going to go look up this uh, Trinio scanner thing, I think, and try and yeah, yeah, see please, what I can do about do. that. And I think that they, the new iPad Pro that has the Lindar or um, the, the, basically it can measure 3D items around you. You see them scanning rooms and measurements uh, i believe he has worked that into the program so it may have more accurate um, 
captures as they that go. would be the only thing i wasn't sure about and that's entirely down to my ignorance because of like if you scan something then obviously if you're going to make an object that you will eventually apply to a person then it's absolutely critical that it's the right size mm -hmm. so um how can you be sure like when i make something in fusion i can you know accurately mark out my specifications and it will print that size and the, scanners do the same thing yeah the, the, the like Trinio plus is coming soon yay yeah he's been working on that for a while the the 3d scanner that i have the the creaforms um go scan 20 it, it is accurate so you don't have to do anything clever like put in the scanning area a one inch cube or one foot cube a lot of people do that as a reference if they can't trust the the, the sizing so then you could always just have your software you know, resize that one inch cube to be one inch, and then everything else should follow. Mm -hmm. um, so that's just kind of a, a workaround on that. But all of the digital stuff is, like I say, another tool. I, I never thought I would use any of my engineering stuff from school. Um, for the because once I got out of that, I, I started to. I bought too much cable, bicycle cable, for a senior thesis, and so then I opened up body parts which doesn't exist anymore but body parts is i sold all this extra cable and then i started that's where i started to then have foam latex and you know um 355 adhesive and prostate and all that all that stuff I, so i had everything that i could in in that store but so I, I got out of engineering in a sense and then i wanted to do the animatronics and that's when i discovered 3d software that could do bones like i said the uh, being able to take a sculpture and put a skeleton inside and, and pose it, which is rigging, um, and move the surface around like muscle movement so it could do muscle and bone. And I had been doing a lot of research on speech animation because I wanted my animatronics to be able to really speak where a, a deaf person or someone that just reads sign um, lip reading, I shouldn't say deaf, a lot of people that are not hearing impaired can read lips, um, could read the animatronics lips. Um, and, and it was just scanning through a magazine and I found this software package. And at that, at that time, we, you know, we talk about 3D scanners costing 100, 200,000 and up. Um, at that time, 3D animation packages were $100,000. They were so expensive. The computers you had to use were at the low end $60,000. But there was one little software package called Animation Master from Hash Inc. Um, and they, they originally came out as Playmation. Um, and this was a software for under a thousand that you can use and they had it for the Mac. And I got that and I was going to do an animatronic head, but in CG. And it took hours to generate or render one image. So to do an animation that lasted 30 seconds could take days to um, generate all the, all the different uh, pieces. But that, so that's how I got distracted into CG and then that got published because the software company at the time, um, there weren't people doing photorealistic stuff. Now, you can look at images now that people created. Go to ZBrush's gallery, and there are images that look like photographs of real people, and they're all done in sculpted in the computer. Incredible. Um, but at the time, early back in the day, that wasn't as um, in people's awareness. So my, my stuff got published. And I got kind of swept up by a video game company that made Earthworm Jim. 
So they were oh working on Earthworm Jim 2, and they wanted to have 3D elements in it. So I kind of got part of this incredible small team um, involved in video games. I didn't think I was going to get involved in video game. I was using After Effects to do high-res images for other types of, uh, of, of work. Um, but So I'm doing low-res stuff and video games. Well, I never thought that that video game knowledge would help in app development. And my programming from engineering school um, would help because I, I um, because I teach like both of you teach color theory. So students never really like taking the time with the color wheel. It becomes confusing. How do you mix colors? You both did excellent coverage on making flesh tones. Um, it's in, 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 um, uh, in Neil Gordon's magazines and, and other places, I'm sure. Oh, thanks. Too. Yeah, it's, but, but you did a it's wonderful. Important. It's so important. But I was like, well, how do you, color theory can be really easy um, because I, because I ended up doing video games because that led to me working in digital and TV and film long story that I'm not going to be bo extra boring, but um, I, I would sit in post-production with color correctors and they're, they're magicians on their own to be able to take your work and make it look rich. And when they're doing color correcting on skin, there's on, uh, they use a scope. It isn't just done by eyes. You just don't trust the monitor you're looking at. There's an actual scope there um, that almost looks like a, one of those radar things with the boop, boop, the line goes around in a circle like a submarine is being revealed. It's sort of. Um, there's a line specifically for flesh. It's called the flesh line. And I, I, I'm aware of that. And I just thought, you know what? In mixing color, color is sort of like, you could think of it as the flesh line, um, is is Skin tones are basically either more yellow or more red, somewhere in between. And that's where I, I put together, I was like, I'm going to make an app. Because um, you can make this into a fun game. It really isn't confusing. So I made, made an app, and I had to go through the process of, I want to kill myself learning to program for the iPhone. Um, but once you learn it, you're free to, to, to work. And I created Fleshmaster on that. And it's a video game. I wouldn't have predicted that I was going to ever make um, a video, I mean, a, a game on the iPad, Fleshmaster, to learn color, and then people would end up using it. This is, this, the, I, I'm hearing myself go down on this tangent of something obscure and off track, and, and it's for the, the listeners. You, you don't know where your work's going to lead you. And I have, I always say, I'm one of the luckiest people alive because it, the road has twisted and turned and every gas station stop is something that I wanted to do since I was a kid. I didn't say I want to go there. The road took me there. And not to sound metaphysical and, you know, hoity-toity or any, you know, thing like that. But it sort of worked out that way. I never would have thought I would have, like I say, the chocolates at a chocolate store, uh, toys, um, or an app. And because of the app, Kenny Myers was playing it. And Kenny Myers is the genius behind um, PPI's Skin Illustrator products. Um, he really just made a, a nice set of colors that used for alcohol colors. Okay. So Kenny was playing this on the set. Now, that man knows color. And he, he was talking to me and he was like, you know, this really helped me 
sharpen up on identifying colors, which I was taken aback by because this is a man who knows color mm -hmm. um, to think that my little tiny silly game would be useful. But a lot, a lot of people ended up using it. And then he was like, hey, what about, and we ended up making a little um, PPI palette with the basic colors that you can mix any color of the flesh on set. So they made a little flesh master palette for me. Um, well, I never would have thought I was going to make a, a makeup palette. Um, even that just happened. Um, Such because a good these idea. pieces yeah. came Such a good along. Idea. And, you know, correcting base tones of appliances, which are slightly out of whack, you know, it's, it's, you need that pure color and mm -hmm. maybe a little bit of it, but that was a great, great idea. I was very pleased to see when that came out because that's, that's exactly the right kind of thing that needs to happen. So, yeah, I've had it on my, I've had it since, since it, I first learned about it years ago. It's been out for quite some time. It's quite some time. Yeah. I, and, and I've been meaning to make it for kids. Some people have said, could you make something that I could play with my kids? You can still play it with kids, but I was going to make like Fubby Loves Color and um, do some fun thing um, with that. That's on the, you know, the world to do list uh, of things to invest in. But again, if you're following your passion, I mean, always be wise, be able to pay your rent and pay for your food and your medical insurance. <laughs> you know, don't, don't just go balls to the wall and get yourself in trouble. But if you follow your passion, you never know where that's going to lead. And it could lead to something that you never, ever thought of. And that on its own can be a wonderful prize at the end of the road. Yeah, I think that's a yeah. very, very good point. There are some amazing things that you could do that you don't know they exist. But if only you did them, you go, oh, my God, this is so much better than the thing I thought I want to do. And and the world is full of things like that. And it's, So many things. Yeah, it's, it's, it's upsetting when you meet people who are despondent. It's happened a lot, actually. I think because of this last year, we've had a lot of lockdown, a lot of colleges especially here, you know, they, they, they've not been able to come in. So the college is still running and the students are still, you know, doing their stuff online. But obviously they're not, especially if they're doing this kind of course, they're not able to get their hands into things and they can't come in. And it's, 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 it's difficult to kind of keep people motivated. And it is that kind of, you've got to live that passion and have it in yourself for it to come out. And there's nothing better than inspiring somebody else and seeing them take off with it and they do their own thing with it and, or, I'm sure you will have seen it as well. You'll teach somebody, like you were saying, who ends up being so much better than you'd ever be, you know? And you're like, oh my God, that's amazing. They had that in them the whole time. They just needed to, to stumble across the right thing that fired up all their engines and then they're, they're off. And it's just like, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, where the student, be <laughs> the student becomes the teacher. Yes, so true. Well, that's happened. I've had students in, in, in my sculpture class that, that just take off and say, you know, there's, I can't teach you anything. <laughs> I, I have to say teaching has been one of the greatest gifts ever. And I'm sure you have experienced this. When, when you're working on your own stuff, you make your own mistakes. And you usually have your mistakes that you make and you learn from them. When you're working with students, they're going to make mistakes on things you, you haven't even thought of. And you have to repair it and explain it so you get better in those areas. And they're going to discover things that work better than what you were teaching them. And you incorporate that into your Absolutely. workflow and your teaching. So you learn so much from teaching. Um, that, that is one of the many reasons why I, I love teaching. Again, we're lucky when we get those students that are hardcore, that just love it and go for it and ask more and more questions. Um, 
that's ideal. Um, but like you would say, we can get someone that doesn't have any faith in themselves. Um, and then at the end, they're proud and I'm proud and amazed by their end results. I had a student once. We were, I was teaching how to make bald caps. So if you want to make your own bald cap, you can make it out of um, old-fashioned liquid latex rubber. So we, we show them how to do that. On a redhead, it's just a plastic form. happens to be red. It's from Krylon Company. It's been around forever. You can stipple on a layer of latex over the whole thing. And you do a second layer. And as you build up the layers, you move further and further away from the front of the face. So the front of the face stays a little thinner. So it blends into the skin better. And by the time you get to the crown of the head, the back of the head, it's thicker and it helps hide hair and ridges from hair. Okay, so that's the process. Um, I always, when I'm teaching, I show it. First, I describe it, say what we're up to, and then I demonstrate it physically and then students do it. So I had a student that um, somehow built up all the layers, but at the crown of the head left a hole, a hole, a hole at the top of the head. And I saw that and I go, is that a hole? And she was like, uh-huh. I was like, how'd that happen? And she said, I don't know. <laughs> and the, the, the thing was, she was a lovely human being. And it was just, for some reason, a little short circuit in her head. Um, she laughed, I laughed. And that laughing at the mistake allowed her to make more. And we were on this journey together. At the end, she made bald caps better than anyone in that room. And it started off with something absurd, a hole in the top of the head, which I still to this day, huh, I've had that happen with beard layers where I go, the, the, when you make a mustache and the little um, sides almost like um, if you're, like if you had a Fu Manchu, the hair is hanging down at the side. So those parts of your chin on each side, I say it's sort of like a Dorito, a, a triangle on each side. That's the basic shape that's on each side. And men, as we get older, tend to have a little gray there. Sometimes it's inverted, gray everyone else, but except those little, um, I call them um, Hershey kisses. They're like Hershey kisses. And and Todd's pointing at his face. He has a gray in his um Little jazz um, beard. Is it's it? so much. So much of it is gray now. <laughs> <laughs> he has the little bit that's underneath the lip. But I, I always say, okay, so these are in the shape of triangles, or you can think of them like Hershey kisses hanging from your mustache. Hershey kisses. So that's where they go. And another girl, it, it, she, it was, it, she had this big patch of hair up on the cheek. I'm like, what is that? She goes, it's the Hershey kiss. I was like, how'd it get up there? She was like, I don't know. It was another, I don't know, years later. And she, I laughed and she laughed. It was the, and, and she ended up playing the greatest beards by the end of it. So I guess my weird tangent here, you have a lot of editing to do. My weird tangent here is the people that can laugh at themselves at the mistakes, as long as you still are driven, you know, you're not blowing it off. You still have an interest. Be light about your mistakes. Yeah. And allow yourself to keep on going. Um, you will stop. I think today there's so many students that are just used to instant gratification on iPhones and TikToks. And this is so fast. The idea of actually doing something multiple times for a long period of time um, may not be in everyone's um, forefront of their minds. Um, but that is what's needed to get better. You can't sit down at a piano and play a concert piano off the top of your head. I think there's a lot of things in makeup you can sit down and right away get and be brilliant at and make something that looks 
fantastic. That's the deception, I think, that fools people into thinking everything should be that way. I can do a, you know, incredible face paint or beauty makeup on myself, but doing it on someone else is harder and then they want to give up so fast. Um, if you, an expert is built off of making mistakes. That's one of the things Stuart and I talk about frequently is, you know, in addition to what you say about be light about making mistakes, you know, it's, it's, it's no big deal. Making mistakes is, is part of the, part of the process, you know, embrace it and just don't make the same mistakes over again because, you know, you don't want to get on that plateau. It's like you want to get outside your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And then once, and then once you get comfortable being outside your comfort zone, try challenge yourself a little more to get yourself outside your comfort zone again. Um, it's why when you're just starting out, just baby steps, don't, don't start off with a, an enormous ambitious project that is destined to fail because none of the, none of the steps involved in doing this big thing are in your wheelhouse yet. Learn, Stuart says, you know, make a nose, learn how to make a beautiful nose before you do an entire fat suit. Absolutely. A nose and a nose can be so rewarding. Anyway, you look at Nicole Kidman in the hours, just the um, her little nose bit, of course, with a, a really good makeup design overall. But the prosthetic is just a nose bit, I believe. And that is a completely different person. Just from, yeah, It's just amazing from how much you can transform somebody's appearance with nothing more than a different nose to make them virtually unrecognizable by their own family. Mm hmm. And, and, and learn how to um, tie lace if you can, um, hair tie, because a prosthetic is brought to life by a good hair piece or good eyebrows. I mean, if you can't, you know, buy a John Blick, which are beautiful pieces, lace eye, eyebrows. Um, don't try to, you know, create uh, something that looks like a Muppet died on, or, on your face. <laughs> 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 get, get, a, get, a, get some good lace work and or do it yourself. I, I hope I'm not talking out of school. I don't think V would hate me for this. Um, v cracked me up. So V wanted to get better at lace. This was a while back. So she took a, a lace class with a, a real pro and she 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 can talk like a sailor um, as they say. And she just after a short amount of time was, you know, F this. Uh, it, was, it was really funny in her telling, and she's so sweet. So, so um, I found on the internet, it's this, you got to find it somewhere. It's a little baby trying to put a straw in a cup and tries once, twice, and then throws it and kicks it with such violence um, because it couldn't succeed in sticking the straw in like one, two. It's the sweetest, relaxed baby that became a <laughs> in seconds. <laughs> So I sent that to V. She laughed so hard. She goes, yeah, that was me. Um, and that's how it feels for all of us. You just go, oh, this looked easy. No, 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 no. Oh, I have torn so many <laughs> pieces of lace trying to get that ventilating needle through there. Oh, yeah. I have, uh. I have some nerve damage I feel like in my left hand from because I was when I was doing the wishing well I tied a lot of those pieces myself 
So I had the hair. I was like, have to get through this hair piece because I couldn't at the time. There wasn't a John like not that I could spend eight hundred dollars on a lace piece for that many characters when it's all self funded. But um, at the time, I felt like you you had to buy a seven or rent a lace piece or buy a seven thousand dollar you know handcrafted piece. Um, so I'm there like must tie. I was holding my hand so tight out of tension like this doing it that I cut off the circulation <laughs> to my hand and bent my nerves or whatever I did. So I had to make a device that would hold the hair for me. So I invented this little thing to hold hair. So I could just gently pull it out of this device because I couldn't hold it. Um, but there's so much frustration, Todd, that went into it for me of just um, going, this is so hard. See, well, my, up close, my up close eyesight is so bad. You know, I have to, even with a magnifier, Oh, it's a magnifier. Those little, those little blue tape those little or something in the background. Cells to see are just oh, so it's crazy. So, uh, but but again, you you go through the process, and now you I feel more confident if I needed to, even if I had a lace piece, I could add extra hair to it or um, lose some hair. I can manipulate it, um, or I can send it to someone and communicate with one of the people that are just brilliant. There's so many brilliant hair people out there that can do it. Um, that I do not compare at all to. I'm, I'm competent, but um, it feels great to have that competent level of, 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 of a variety of things so you can at least communicate to your team and you know what you're asking them. Is it reasonable or not to ask them to do it um, and just be able to communicate? In, in yeah, a, in, I, that's, that's I think that's really important. Person. Yeah, that is because then that's when you start becoming somebody that can expand your capacity because you can include in your, you know, under your arm, you could have these other people who are working for you and doing bits for you. And then you can extend your reach because you can say, like you say, I, I know what I want. You're speaking to them in the right language about whether it's an engineering thing or a hair thing or a paint mixing thing or whatever. You can say to them the right way I, and, and display to them your competence so they go oh you know you know what i mean so you can really articulate your desires accurately mm -hmm. and then you can be you know correctly outraged if it's not right because you've said the right things and um that's always amazing i, I think of like barry gower like that you know he runs you know his his effects company they do these amazing things and he can kind of do so much of it himself that you know if he says to somebody who wants to sculpt they can grab a tool and show them a little something and then they carry on and then articulate with the hair or the painting and then the application so he can do it all but he can't do it all at the same time but it, it means he can then extend out and have you know 30 people doing a massive job yeah. but it's all you know very high quality control because he's able to spot what good is and that makes everybody else want to step up and it's well, that's why it's i like think a, it's so good important thing, you know? for people to even if if you don't say say the 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 digital aspects the you know the cgi aspects of of the business aren't something you want to really do yourself being able to wear that hat so you can convey the information to to the cgi guys is really important so i think you need to learn to be able to wear as many hats in, the, in this business as possible. Mm. You have an appreciation of it, even if it's that like, like, like really good yeah. chefs that know about the seasons and acidity of soils and where the food comes from and all that kind of stuff. And they know that the olives from here are different to olives from there. And, you know, they don't have to own those 
vineyards, but they they can understand what I know. Olives don't come from vineyards, but you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Uh, yeah. It's that kind of uh, uh, general knowledge and excitement, and that's what you you have, Rob, in 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 shovelfuls. It's just this craving to know, and then it's it's like you said, like you know, your hand got all sort of messed up from how you were doing something, and your response was to come up with a thing that dispensed the hair that made that not happen. I mean, that's, I hope cinema knows what a treasure they have. That's fantastic. I, I, it, it, and and then you find people that think similarly. Uh, as much as it's great to be able to do all all this stuff, you know, on your own, and as much as I did the wishing well, which was insane, like I said, on my own. I'm, I, I, I don't know if I could ever do it again, knowing what I know now of all the challenges that went into it. Um, but working with a, a team of people that are experts, the collaboration is a satisfying, uh, re- relaxing, um, um, rewarding. There's so many things about working with people. It, it, and I'm talking about people that, that are great at what they do and have um, no extra ego about it or... Um, that that or basically, I hate to say team player because that's a word that's just over overly used. But people that work together in a group, you you are a machine, um, a fine oiled machine that works well. There, that is, if you if you have that at your workplace, cherish it because that's the type of environment you want to work in. And they always say, from when I was a kid, you know, if you do what you love, you'll never have to work a day in your life type of thing. If you're part of a machine that truly is everyone's good and we're playing, um, those times where we have to work work doesn't doesn't hurt. I mean, it hurts. Let me, let, me, let me say, there's been many a time I've been in a color corrector's room or in post um, at three o'clock in the morning on a couch um, with my laptop ready to jump in and change something. Um, but those are the people that are friends for life that I would work with again and again because I know that they are not only good at what they do, they are, uh, they will show up They'll put in the time. I worked with this producer that was on the set. No ego. There was a, there was a piece of paper on set that was in the shot. He just got up and grabbed it and, and cleaned it up himself and then sat back down. Not because out of frustration or someone should have gotten it. It was just we were all a machine. And, and this producer, um, uh, Tom Fennessy, um, Tom is hysterical. Um, he makes jokes all the time. He would fit in perfectly with this group. Crassus can be when he needs to be <laughs> clean. He can be clean, but um, funny, funny man. But when when it's action, everything is professional and gets done. And and that I hate to say is so rare to have that level out there. Um, so when you find it, you you just want to hold on to it. So so if you do have that, know that you're lucky. And hold on to it. And if you don't have that, try and cultivate it because cultivate it. Yeah, if you if you don't, I say that to students too. If if you if you, I was lucky, I had people that were supportive of art. Um, it may have been just because they were interested, um, and it just happened to be that way. But I say, if you don't have that support team, find it, find it. And and it's and it's uh, with with did I, I don't know what the kids in school today are millennials or what, what comes after that. Um, so many 
of the artistic types, at least from my experience, they're, they're a little bit inward. You know, I, I, I call myself a, an outgoing introvert, mm-hmm. um, but right they're with you. They're, you know, they, they're loners. They tend not to do things with, with others. And, and it's a, it's a shame because networking is so important. If you don't talk to your fellow students and find out they may have a strength that you lack and could be a, an integral part of, of the team you need to, to finish a project you have to do as part of your curriculum in school. So get, get to know people and, you know, I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but, you know, learn to exploit one another's um, assets to your advantage, but in a, in a positive way so that, you know, you become that well-oiled machine. You become a Ferrari instead of a Volkswagen thing. I, 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 I think networking when I was growing up sounded like artificial. It sounded manipulative. It sounded like you're, you're, you're faking something to get something. Um, and, and I believe what Todd's saying is it, it, truly, if you're, if you're interested in, in, the, in the work, t- talk to people, you will truly have things in common and friends are, are born from this work in productions. Like I said, working with the teams that I've worked with on those horrible hours, I know how they are as people under the most stressful duress and people's true colors come out under that and you go wow that person is reliable i i am family with them um and i love what they do if i if i didn't get involved in that production i wouldn't wouldn't have met them if i didn't reach out to them i wouldn't have known this about them one thing for sure if i stayed home and did my stuff with the door closed and maybe posted it every once in a while um, who would know what, what, as we were saying, it's the road that you travel that takes you to places. If you don't get out of your house, leave the driveway, you're not going to discover anything. I mean, you mate with the internet, you know, with all the crazy that goes on with the internet these days, who knows where that will take you, but that's a, you know, that's a documentary for CBS or something, but, but truly <laughs> venture, venture out. Be friendly, be open. You don't have to be friends with people you don't like. It's not about that. You will discover people that have, when I met Stuart, Stuart cracked me up back then. He cracks me up today. Funny, funny man. Obviously you're listening to this, so you all know that. And Todd as well. You just go, these are people that you just click with naturally. There is no forcing it at all. They make me laugh. And then you just go, wow. I would love to work with them more. I mean, I hope that'll happen, you know, from your mouth to God's ears. But, 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 it, but it's true. It's true. You just go, wow, I, we have things in common and we get along again. Um, sometimes you'll be forced to work with people you don't like, mm-hmm. but in an ideal world, you gravitate to the same team of people that just are fun that, to be around and are really good at what they do. Um, I say, I'd rather work with someone that um, I get along with that is good and competent in what they do than someone who is brilliant at what they do, but, and I almost said something, uh, which is, go ahead. Okay. I'm so used to teaching kids. I always go yeah. a pain in the pain in the butt. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree go, wholeheartedly. 
I do not want to be around those people. If I have to work on a project like that, I try to keep it to a minimum because I do not need the stress. No. Who needs the stress? No. And and for me as well, the thing that, I mean, when I've worked with people, I've worked with, with a number of people I can think of where I've seen them be put under massive amounts of pressure and I've seen things happen to them that were unfair, that wasn't their fault, that were, you know, that were were just wrong. And I saw how they dealt with it and I saw how they weren't demonstrably calling attention to it. They were just coping with it and they wouldn't push that back out and seeing them do that, even when they were, they were doing things that I would see things that weren't being done for my benefit i just happened to witness certain things and i would come away going wow i'm really impressed with that person because i can see what they've done and how they've processed something that i know would have thrown me a complete you know curveball but they've dealt with it admirably and you could see that they were struggling you could see it wasn't easy for them but they still made it happen and that in my head set an example was i'm gonna be like that about stuff because i see what that means because they could take that thing and process it and throw it as, as five little handfuls of shit to other people, or they could kind of digest it, you know, do maybe it makes them feel bad or they have a rough night for a couple of days. But you know, in a week from now, they're, they're, they're still maintaining a righteous path, which I don't mean it in a religious sense. I just mean that they're doing the right things and they're putting out good stuff they're putting out positive things and the i think the good thing about being a little bit older is as over time you've seen people elevate and i always bring barry garen to this but the same kind of thing he's always been consistently good consistently nice consistently very professional and i know things haven't always been easy and you see him now doing what he's doing and he fucking deserves it because he's managed to deal with stuff all the time. And other people I know have been really shitty. They've been like trying to get, you know, around the back and try and figure stuff out. They're always trying to gain the system and they're never going to be happy because their motivations are not honest ones. They're they're always Mm -hmm. trying to get over on somebody else. And it's not, Mm -hmm. you know, it just doesn't, bear out maybe once or twice people will in their lives, but it's not, it's not a a, a base like that make a long day, even longer. Oh, yeah so, so true so yeah so it's good to know that and this is why it's nice to have conversations with people like yourself where you you will say things and i'll i'll make it my job to to bring back and point to that like just you know you had a thing with your arm and you're like well i'm gonna figure out how to make a you know a thing to make that not happen again <laughs> and it's like that's <laughs> how it should be but at the time you just want to be self-indulgent with the the suffering it's given you but actually <laughs> it's the thing is like yeah but this could be either not even a money-making thing but it's something that will alleviate out of this something good could come and if if part of you is always hardwired to think like that then there's a chance you'll put some of your energy in your life towards solving things and making things better and if everyone does that then it all nudges a little bit better than a little bit worse and every day i've had students work I've had students work as assistants on projects in the past and i i don't remember the particular project but we were we were doing something just the way i have always done it and the student said what if we what if we tried blah 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 and i just it just stopped me in my tracks i went that's fucking brilliant Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. why uh, yes let's definitely do it that way and that's the way i've been doing it ever since yeah, and you could have been an ass about it and said, yeah, "No, no, and, I'm the teacher. I'm no." We're yeah, not, no, and it was we've like, all had teachers oh, like that. Oh my I'm god! Sure. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, that that's a better way. Yeah, and <laughs> I, that's I, amazing. And and I had a moment of my self-loathing, going, "Why didn't I think of that?" Yeah. <laughs> but I but I didn't, and and it was it was 
and there it was. Yeah, and you, then you laugh about it, and it's but like yeah, you're saying, you know, like, you make light thank of it. And you, you go, that's a thank great you idea. What, a, what an idiot I wasn't thinking about. It. And then you you disarm it, and then it's not a thing. And then you haven't yeah. got to wear it like a, a hat of shame for the rest of the day, like some people. And we've all seen that where people are like, and, thank you for that great idea. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I think a lot of people that are learning, when you go to a school and you learn something from a teacher or from, from, from a class in general, you think that's that's the way to do it. But one of the great things about special effects in this industry, it's constantly evolving. There are going to be new ways of doing things, new products, um, new tapes, new adhesives, new, just new, better ways of doing it. So it, it shouldn't be, this is the only way. I remember um, being taught this, and, I, and this, is, this was a mistake, and I, I learned this from teaching it. Um, why do we use rubber mask grease paint on, on latex? Um, it, it is a, a type of makeup that really does, it, it, it doesn't cause the latex to break down. It's, it's made out of castor oil in there and castor oil won't go into the latex and call it, cause it to fall apart. Um, that's one, one of the reasons. Um, so um, there, there are other cream information makeups. in and of itself is going to be beneficial to people. Ben, totally beneficial. I mean, there are a lot of things that can cause a latex bald cap to fall apart. Spirit gum can cause it because there's some solvents in there. Alcohol can cause a latex to fall apart. When I was a kid gluing on a bald cap in like fourth grade, um, I used spirit gum and the edges would fray. I, I didn't know why. So the, the makeups have oil in them and cream makeups, the oil can go into the latex and cause it to break apart. On a thick bald cap, you may not notice it. On a thin bald cap, it could cause it to, to split. Um, and also, if you use cream makeups, it goes on nice and smooth on a rubber bald cap, on a latex bald cap, and you powder it, everything looks fine. The oil is going to be absorbed into the bald cap and it could destroy the bald cap, but it's also going to suddenly make your makeup on top not have oil. So now it's dry and flakes off. So that's two things that can go wrong with just regular oil in a makeup. So now we're, we're going to go to rubber mask grease. So they discovered that you can use um, castor oil to prevent it from destroying the bald cap. And it doesn't get absorbed, so it doesn't cause the makeup to flake and dry out. Um, I still had people say, oh, I remember going into a store, which I won't say the store, and I was looking for rubber mask grease. And they said, oh... You know, you can just use regular cream makeup and add castor oil to it, and that will be fine. Well, in a sense, that will solve the problem of the makeup drying and flaking off. But it's still some of that regular oil can cause a super thin bald cap to split. Um, I remember growing up with that knowledge of with with the thought of just take cream makeup. I was like, oh, I remember that from a kid. Take cream makeup and add a little castor oil to it. Just because someone says that, and in fact, it's still a lot of people think of that, doesn't mean that is the right way or the best way to do it. Um, that was an odd reference that may have been a little scattery. But, but the, the point is we're, we're always modifying and finding better ways of doing it. Mike McCash is always coming up with some cool mm -hmm. way of doing things yeah. and, and using tapes to build bladders and always fun. And he's a fearless, he, he's another funny, cool person to be around. Oh, yeah, um, he and Aaron both. Both of them. Oh, she's lovely. And, and both of them are superstar teams and have zero ego. Zero ego. The loveliest people. Um, 
but but are constantly invent they're fearless in in inventing stuff and it just he, just because yeah. it's done one way do it and do something new and exciting he, he's a very good example of that he's the kind of person where you spend a, a little time with him and you kind of go away wanting to be a better person because of them and they haven't done anything for you to make you feel that way it's just how they conduct themselves in the world mm -hmm. and you kind of go you live better than I live and I want to be like you. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you, know, you just copy them or you want to copy them. You aspire <laughs> to be like it. And I'd be, I'd feel awkward saying that to him. You may hear this, but, but it's true. And I remember, I remember that and it's a really good example, but there are people like that. And it's like, you can adopt them at their, their mindset and, and, and improve your life by doing that. And that's, that's the joy of talking to people like this and finding these things out. And it's, there's being switched on enough. And like you say, it's, it's not a, a settled destination. This it's a, it's a state of mind where you are, you'll use the best that you know, but you, you can always discover something better or a way of tweaking something. You never know where that's going to come from. So you mm -hmm. kind of want to be a little bit open to it all the time because you never know when it's going to come. Like Mike and Aaron are a perfect example of what I love about working in this business. You know, I've, I've worn quite a few hats in my 40 plus years of working in entertainment, but I got to say that, special effects is the most fun I've ever had professionally. And I've had a lot of fun. I thought you were going to say it's the most fun you've had with your clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. That's what we were missing from this interview. <laughs> I am not let Stuart be Stuart. They're rambling too much. Oh, that's terrible. I, we should probably knock it on the head. I realize we've been going over two hours now. Oh, happily, I'm sorry. This is amazing. No, no, no. I'm, I've enjoyed it, but I, I yeah. don't want to wear you out and I don't want to wear uh, uh, ears out. And I, 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 I haven't noticed the time go. It's just I looked at the clock because I was like, oh, you know, my mouth is a bit dry. I haven't drunk anything for a while. I'm like, oh, that's right. <laughs> two hours. Yeah. Cut um, out all and, the bad stuff. And the drinking lamp has <laughs> been lit in the UK. <laughs> oh, it has a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, I haven't got anything in, though. I haven't been out to the, to the stores to get any drinks, but... Um, I'll maybe do that this weekend. So there we go. I feel like that's kind of reached a good point though. It feels yeah. very positive. And um, that's the thing. Uh, I, you I, are I such a mensch. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I have, I have looked forward to this for a long time. I know you, you've brought it up a while ago and just life has happened. That has you prevented know, this happen. For you've always time. been one of my favorite people. And, you know, I never get to see you enough because we don't, we don't live near each other anymore. And, you know, when I, when I lived in LA, I wasn't doing this. I was mm -hmm. doing, I was, I was all on the, the CGI side, oh, yeah. but here, here we are. Here we are. And, you know, I, I hope that one day the three of us will be able to work together on a project that will be the most fun anybody's ever had. Or eventually be in the same room, even though the Zoom thing, even though I haven't been looking at the screen, I've been looking down. Um, <laughs> even the, the Zoom thing. Yeah, no, being in the same room would, will, will be a nice, uh, nice respite from, from all this non-personal contact. Oh, I'm trying to think the last time it was a really good time was Monster Palooza 2018. Yeah, the 10th, 10th anniversary. Yeah, that was. Wow. That was amazing. I want more of that. I'm looking forward to that. Where would you like people to go to see your Instagram or do you have any websites? Or so I would say um, they can take a look at my work at Rod Maxwell on Instagram. Instagram's just a fun, lightweight 
to to do it without any heavy weights. You can see a bunch of things. Um, Fleshmaster is on the App Store if you want to get that. It's good for if you're a teacher also to use um, for iPad and iPhone. So that's Fleshmaster. Mm-hmm. And um, if you if you th- if your company needs to learn ZBrush, um, write to me at learn at screaming like yelling screaming images like photographs screamingimages.com learn at screaming images and what i usually do is four to five of your team will do zoom with me and it will be altered a little bit to fit your needs Um, but it will get you so grounded in zbrush from the ground up Um, that's the idea and again if you if you feel like you're scared or afraid know that i've taught like i said students that have no interest in learning it whatsoever and at the end are sculpting um, and doing some impressive stuff. So So if they can do it and you want to learn, you should have a great time with it. We might have to have words, actually. I think that sounds awesome. That's that's the idea. So those are the main main three things. Fleshmaster, um, Instagram, Rod Maxwell, and learn at ScreamingImages.com just to send me a message if you have four to five people on your team you want to learn ZBrush. Well, what if Stuart? What if Stuart and I wanted lessons? We need to find um, out too. You write to learn at screaming images. <laughs> he just <laughs> said it, Tom. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> well, Rod, thank you so much. That has been oh, my pleasure. Have a good weekend. Oh, thank you. You too. Thanks, Cheers, and we will talk soon. Boom! What'd you reckon? It was good, wasn't it? I I really enjoyed that. He's amazing. I would love to have him on again and talk about some of the other things that we didn't really get to expand. Yes, upon. I think that's a very good point. It might be worth doing some like specific subject because that was quite a general. We we covered a lot of ground, mm-hmm. um, and it would be quite nice to do something a bit more specific and drill down a bit deeper into some specific things that he's done. Um, especially if anyone's got any questions they want to chime in, uh, which reminds me, you can get in touch with us. <laughs> <laughs> through our email yeah at, at Stuart and todd at gmail.com we'll leave a message or on our on the website battles with bits of rubber.com and leave us a voice message up to five minutes of whatever you want to rent at us this is surprisingly not a long time to talk although i can talk for hours <laughs> as you all know i'm very sorry no <laughs> <laughs> well you have a lot to say not all of it worth listening to. Anyway, um, listen, uh, we really appreciate you listening. It's very cool. If you want to show us some love, then you could throw some of this up on social media. Tell a friend about us, or you can even leave us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to your Apple, Apple Podcasts, do you think? Wherever you're listening to podcasts, I don't know. Where you listen to podcasts? Where do people hunt this down? Where do people listen to this? I'm curious. I want to know where you, where you listen to this. You could get in touch and just let us know. Are you an iHeartRadio, or are you... Uh... Spotify. Yeah. Or at, what's your What's your pleasure? What's your, how do you listen to your podcast? You you you're mostly listening to where well, you're at a computer, I guess. You have like a it runs yeah, on a I'll, desktop. I'll, I'll pull stuff up here on the desktop. I think I've got a few different apps on my phone for listening to stuff. I listen to it on podcast. I listen to podcasts on an app called Pocket Casts, which was I've got that one, which is a, a good app. Um, there's Podbean as well. There's a few. There's a few uh, 
uh, well, there's lots, but um, some are better than others. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I listen to on on little pod because I have a, an Android phone, so I'm not an iTunes person. As do I. Well, there we go. But it's just one of those things. I don't know how you leave reviews otherwise, because iTunes is the only, or Apple Podcasts, I think, is the only place where you can actually leave a review. But you can rate them in a lot of places. So if you get a chance to rate, but if you can't do that, you don't want to do that. Just you know, tell someone else about it, or just say something nice about. Rate us, us on Instagram. All right, man. I will talk to you soon. Have yourself a good evening. Thank you very much. Thanks, you too. Talk soon. (laughs) The blending of creative imagination with technical know-how.